Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. The Justin Kidder Show live here on Dane's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. Happy Monday. Welcome in. We're off and rolling another week and a lot to get into. Want to be involved in the show? It's pretty simple. Give us a call, 457-9464. Shay will get your information and pass it along to me. We'll bring you on the air and we'll hit the ground running. I'm pumped for today's show. I actually was uh, surprised at how easy it was just to make a rundown for today. A lot to get into. Uh, you know, I find this interesting. We don't talk a lot of uh, betting on the show when we probably will be a lot more moving uh, moving forward. Uh, but I found this interesting when you start looking at the college football season, which is, uh, you know, the 2020 college football season. I'm being optimistic. We're talking about it as if it's going to happen because I believe it is going to happen. And that's how you have to do it. But Caesars Palace, they, you know, their book, they put this out. Uh, it's been talked about all over the Clemson Tigers now. The favorites to win it all in 2020. Where are the Buckeyes as far as that is concerned? Where are they ranked compared to the Clemson Tigers? We'll get into that coming up around the corner. Plus, the Cleveland Browns. I know that, and look, in my, in my opinion, I'm a big Baker Mayfield fan, but I'm starting to get the vibe that they are maybe not as high or maybe not as high or confident in Baker Mayfield moving forward based on their off-season quarterback room activity. And we'll discuss that coming up here in just a bit. But the Browns also in the news over the weekend really doing a great job of trying to go after another big-name free agent in Jadavion Clowney. And we'll talk about what that means for the Browns. They were close to getting a deal done. It fell through. We'll talk about that with ESPN's Jeremy Fowler coming up in Hour 3 later on in the program. Excited to talk with him about that. ESPN's first take, your take, Jason Fitz, uh, friend of the show. He was uh, he the show on before ours. Pieces on the roster. He knows how to construct a talented roster. I guess if that's what you want to talk about in, in terms of consistency. I loved what the Browns did with the roster the last couple of years, but this year obviously things are much different. John Dorsey out, uh, Freddie Kitchens gone, new head coach in, in, in Stefanski, and you know, obviously we talked about the struggles and the worries that I have for the Browns last Friday. Stefanski hasn't even moved to Cleveland yet. He's not even in Cleveland. In fact, he doesn't even know when he'll be able to move to Cleveland. He'll be doing the draft from Minnesota. Uh, and that's a conversation for later as well. But the one constant that we knew about the Browns, or at least I thought, was that they have their quarterback. And this is where I need your help. You're going to help me and tell me if I'm overreacting or if the, the tea leaves are lining up just you know just right. I'm based on the moves that the Browns have, based on their quarterback room activity as of late, There's something inside of me that is telling me that the Browns and Stefanski are not as sold on Baker Mayfield as I once thought that they would be. I think that there is, uh, my favorite word is, uh, you know, there's always, there's, you know, there's potential. Baker Mayfield, I think Baker's a little past the potential standpoint. I thought last year he definitely regressed. I think the Baker that you saw his rookie season is more of who he is more than what you saw last season, assuming that what you have around Baker is stability and an offense uh, that he can run comfortably. He couldn't run last year's offense comfortably, and I don't want to hear about the weapons around him because those weapons around him, albeit very talented, they didn't have the right guy running the show, and that was, of course, head coach Freddie Kitchens or old head coach Freddie Kitchens at the time. So with Stefanski in place, I think that's going to be a big difference maker. 
But I thought that a couple moves that the Browns have done as of late have definitely led me to believe that they are not as high on Baker Mayfield or that there is a little bit of doubt with Baker Mayfield, more so than you would think. For one, let's start with the backup quarterback, Case Keenum, giving him $18 million for three years. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but I thought that a that was a big that was a big deal. I mean, I don't know about you, but a lot of times, don't backup quarterbacks kind of go on a year-to-year basis? I, I found it kind of odd that Case Keenum uh, has basically agreed to be a backup for the next three years. I don't know about you, but there's not a lot of quarterbacks out there that have a dream or have a goal of just being a backup in the National Football League. That's why you don't see backup quarterbacks sign long-term deals. In three years, you may be saying isn't long-term, but it is for a backup. That's why you see a lot of backup quarterbacks sign one-year deals. Because they just they say, I'll be your backup for a year, but my goal is that based on, depending on what the market is next year, I would like to be a starter at some point. So it's not so much that the Browns signed Keenum for three years. It's the fact that Keenum agreed to three years with the Browns. Why would a quarterback who obviously sees that he has three years left in the league say, hey, man, I just, I just want to be a backup moving forward? Who the hell says that? If that's his mindset, I don't want him on the team anyways because I want a guy that's that's uber, uh, you know, going to be out. You know, he's he's going to be out there, and he's going to be uber competitive. He's going to want that starting job, and I don't not saying that Keenum should be that, but I find it very odd that he agreed to be the backup for three years. So that led me to thinking, okay, well, maybe he wasn't, he didn't sign on to be the backup for three years, because there had to have been some conversation between him and Stefanski that maybe would have led to look. You're going to come in, you're going to be the backup in the first year, but I'm telling you right now, I really don't know about Baker Mayfield. I see this as a transition where you're going to come in and be the backup, you're going to help develop him, and if it doesn't work, then you are our guy, which is horrible. I don't want Case Keenum as the starting quarterback for the Browns. I still think that Baker needs to be given the benefit of the doubt up to this point, and I still think that it's going to be an interesting offseason based on all the limitations due to the COVID-19 outbreak. All I'm saying is, is give me an example, folks. Four five seven nine four six four. Where have you seen a guy agree to be a backup for three years? That should tell you something. No one agrees to be a backup, especially long term. They might agree to be a backup for a year because that's the cards that they were dealt, and their main, you know, the market for them may not be great. But how does Case Keenum know what the market's going to be next year or the year after that? Who agrees to be a backup quarterback? Case Keenum, come on now. I don't I don't buy into that whatsoever. So I'm starting to put these pieces together and say, you know what? That's weird to me. Case Keenum for $18 million for three years to be a backup. That's odd. That's very odd to me. The second thing that, that I came across that I found interesting, too, is a quarterback that the Browns were interviewing recently heading into the draft. Now, I don't know about you, but if you think in the, you know, in Two decades since returning to Cleveland, you finally have your franchise quarterback and you just gave $18 million to a backup quarterback for three years. I would think that you have checked off your quarterback issues, right? Now, maybe my next part that I'm about to get into, you can just write off and say, well, hey, look, they're just they're check, they're doing their due diligence. They're responsible. They need to be talking to other quarterbacks. Maybe, but in the draft, in a high-profile quarterback at that, and I'm talking about Jalen Hurts. Now, I'm not putting Jalen Hurts in the category as even a Justin Herbert, who I'm not that sold on either. But I find it very odd that the Cleveland Browns have had an interview and have sat down or at least a FaceTime type of deal with, with Jalen Hurts. Why are the Browns in conversations with Jalen Hurts? I mean, would is there a chance that we could hear in three weeks Jalen Hurts' name be dropped uh, as, a, as a draftee for the Cleveland Browns? 
What is that message sending to the quarterback room? What is that message sending to Baker Mayfield, who, although comes across as a very mentally strong individual, I think that a lot of times that is to make up for uh, sometimes the mental weaknesses that he has. That's my concern. So, again, the, this, the activity that the Browns are taking part in, it does not scream to me that they are sold on Baker Mayfield. The fact that you signed Case Keenum for three years, who signs a backup for three years, folks? I'm not buying into that, especially a quarterback that the new head coach had one of his best seasons with. They won 12 games in one season with with uh, with Keenum one year. All right, and that was Stefanski's offense. Like Stefanski's had success with Keenum, so that's my concern at that too. I'm not concerned that he could take the job from Baker. My concern is is that the, the Browns are starting to show signs of well, maybe Baker's not our guy. Maybe he isn't who we thought he was. Uh, it sounds like they are more concerned after the the average year he had last year versus being excited about the rookie year that he had. And, of course, you're always going to go off of what happened recently. We know what have you done for me lately, that type of deal. But am I looking into that too much? Do the Cleveland Browns fans especially, 457-9464, Twitter is at 1410Kenner, K-I-N-N-E-R. When I, bring these, when, these, when I bring these bullet points up, are those examples of the Browns showing signs that maybe they are not as mentally attached to Baker Mayfield as what the previous regime was talking about? Not even really including Freddie Kitchens. He was the head coach. But the John Dorsey-led group was all in on Baker. I'm not really getting that vibe with the Browns, with who's in the front office now and with who the head coach is. I think if they could win with Baker, that's just a cherry on top. But I do believe that they have prepped themselves and are prepping themselves for post-Baker Mayfield. That is where, that's kind of where I'm at mentally with where the Browns are at right now. Again, Case Keenum. I didn't notice it at first. It didn't really, you know, it, I didn't pay attention to it at first. But I cannot think of a time where a backup was signed specifically, where you go sign a backup for three years. Who does that? Everything is based on a year-to-year basis when it comes to backups, especially quarterbacks. Quarterbacks don't want to limit themselves to a backup job. They want to be starters. Even if they're signing to be a backup for a year, their goal is to always get back to being the starter. That's how they're wired. Okay, Even backup quarterbacks were high-level starters at some point throughout their high school and college careers. They didn't grow up saying, man, I can't wait to get you know to go to a high-profile college and get to the NFL to be a career backup. I cannot wait. No, they want to be starters. Why the hell would Keenum sign a three-year deal to be a backup in Cleveland without maybe have been, been told, hey, look, I, I, I know you're coming in as the backup, but I really do see a situation where you're probably going to be the starter. And then they're interviewing Jalen Hurts, too. Of all the issues that this Browns team has and what they're trying to address on the defensive side, of all the things that you can draft in this year's draft, I just don't think quarterback needs to be one of your concerns. That That is strange to me. Is it strange to you? Or are the Browns doing the right thing? Are they doing the mature thing? Should they check off the boxes of interviewing Jalen Hurts? We'll get your reaction on social media and on the phone when we come back. More of the Justin Kinner Show next. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Justin Kinner Show on 1410 ESPN Radio. All right, and we are back. You just heard it right there. It's our support local business cash contest. I'll have your local winning keyword coming up here. At some point in this hour, I'll give you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you when we're ten minutes out from that. How about that? I'll give you an idea. We're, when we are ten minutes out, I will let you know when we are ten minutes out. But all of our local keywords uh, will be local businesses here, uh, with the goal just to highlight some of the local businesses in, in the Dayton area that need your support during this time. It's our local business one thousand dollar day giveaway. Uh, when you hear the keyword eighteen times a day, you call in or not call in. I'm sorry. You go to wingam.com and you enter the keyword. Uh, you'll get an email confirming your entry, um, and you'll have a chance to win a thousand dollars. We're giving away a thousand dollars every day. Just think of all the local businesses that you could help support here 
here locally uh, if you're one of the lucky winners of that $1,000 a day giveaway. Again, it's our Support Local Business $1,000 a day giveaway presented by Lee's Famous Recipe Chicken. So we'll pick up with where we left off. Uh, I was just noticing over the weekend when we when the, when the I heard the news that the Cleveland Browns had sat down and interviewed Jalen Hurts, which doesn't bother me, bother me. Because if you need a quarterback, you need a quarterback. I just don't think that the Browns need a quarterback. Um, you know, you finally get what is presumed to be your franchise quarterback in Baker Mayfield after, what, almost two decades after returning back to the NFL, or returning back to Cleveland, I should say. And uh, for the first time, you feel good about a quarterback that you get. And then all of a sudden, one below-average year, and everyone is losing their mind, when I think it's very easy to point out the flaws that led to Baker's regression this past season. Uh, but with that being said... You know, I'm obviously in the minority in, on this because there's a lot of fans out there that have jumped off the Baker, band, uh, Baker Mayfield bandwagon, and there are a lot. And now it looks like the front office has jumped on the "I'm not sold on Baker Mayfield." Now, keep in mind, two years of his rookie deal have been wasted. All right, I think that they they made a huge jump his rookie season. He breaks Peyton Manning's uh, all-time total touchdown regular season passing record. Blah blah blah. But then he has that below-average year last year. They've gone all out this off-season to put a winning you know team out there. And good for them. That's great. But someone tweeted in, well, if they didn't believe they had their quarterback, they wouldn't have gone all out to get Hooper and Conklin and some of that. By the way, you should be doing that. If Even if you believe you have the worst quarterback in the league, you should still be doing everything you can to give your worst quarterback in the league weapons. So, And by the way, I, t- I totally see what that individual is saying. I'm not arguing with them. I'm just... I, at first, I was like, oh, I, you know, that's a good point. But then I thought about it. I hate that mindset. Like, when I think about the Cincinnati Bengals, and I hear, I heard Mo Egger say this on his show the other day about uh, Andy Dalton, about how the front office has come out and said they want to do right by Andy Dalton and getting him out of Cincinnati and getting him to a spot. Why, and, and Mo Egger brought up a great point. He goes, why wait till now to do right by Andy Dalton? And that's a great point. Why, why wait till now? So my point is is that like every team, even if you believe that your quarterback is not that great, you should be giving him weapons as if you are giving the best quarterback in the league weapons. So that's why I'm not sold that by going out and getting Hooper and adding him into the mix with Chubb and with uh, obviously Hunt and, and with Jarvis and with OBJ, I'm not convinced that those moves were done for Baker as in just moves that they should be done for any quarterback, which I do agree with that. But I believe those moves were done just as much for Case Keenum as they were for Baker. Those moves were just as much done for potentially Jalen Hurts if the Browns draft him, which I don't believe that they are, but I do find it interesting that they were interviewing him. Um, You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that those moves were done for Baker. They were just done for the quarterback position because I don't believe that the front office is as comfortable with Baker Mayfield as when John Dorsey was here. That was John Dorsey's baby, okay? Now you have the parents who have come in and adopted the redheaded stepchild, and now they're not as keen on the kids' looks anymore as what the previous guy was, right? So that's all. This is a very weird situation that if the Browns come out punching and they're winning games, then this whole thing could be thrown out the window. But if the Browns come out and struggle in 2020... That's where this Case Keenum thing comes in. Now, uh, Dave, David Fleming wrote in, I, Chase Daniels, three years, $13 million. That's a great answer. Thank you. Uh, in response to, I thought it was weird that Case Keenum, knowing that Baker, the reason I think that they are not sold, and someone said, well, I don't get why you think they're not sold on Baker Mayfield. Because you don't go sign a backup quarterback for three years. And now there are a lot of teams that would love to go find a long-term backup quarterback. But there's not a lot of quarterbacks out there that would love to sign long-term deals to be the backup, which means I don't think Case Keenan, who I don't think he's a top 15 starter in the league, but I also do not think um, that he is a guy that is bad enough to just shut the door on the possibility of ever being a starter again, which to me, the fact that he was willing to sign long-term with Cleveland means there was probably conversation with him saying, 
Listen, you're being right here for three. I'm just telling you, we're giving Baker another year, but I don't believe that he's going to be our guy moving forward. That's the vibe I'm getting. So I said, name a quarterback who signed a long-term deal to be a backup. Chase Daniels, though, I'm not putting in that same category as Case Keenum. So, David Fleming, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, that's a good answer, and you're right. He did you know, three years, $13 million. Um, but th- he's not a fringe starter. Chase Daniels isn't a fringe starter. Case Keenum is a fringe starter. Uh, so do you believe that the Cleveland Browns front office is as sold on Baker Mayfield as what the John Dorsey front office was uh, based on the moves with Case Keenum and interviewing Jalen Hurts when you do not need to be interviewing quarterbacks or even drafting quarterbacks at this point? At least I thought. I find it kind of odd. I, to me, that is signaling that they are not as sold on Baker Mayfield as what we once thought. Let's go to Ed and Dayton. What's up, Ed? How are you? Uh, pretty good, Justin. Uh, the way I look at it, it's tough for Baker because it's a new offense. Mm-hmm. Case Keenum already knows that offense. So basically, Baker, he needs to get that playbook. I'm sure he's already got it. He better own up on it. And then when you start exhibition games, you know, who's going to get the reps? Uh, hopefully, they give Baker the nod. He's the starter. Let him play five games. If he does well, there's no reason to bench him. So, but you know, if Case Keenum ends up starting, that's a. I don't really consider him a difference maker on the offense. So, if he ends up starting, I don't see good things out of the out of the Browns' offense. I don't. I don't know. I mean, whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean? All those weapons, you don't see anything good out of that? They address the offensive line. You have two two fantastic wide receivers, two top five right, running right. backs. Holy smokes, man. I, I think that they are set up. To, if they don't have success, it's on Baker Mayfield. Right, right. But Case Keenum, what was his best year with uh, Minnesota? Did he throw for 3,000 yards, do you know? I'm going to pull that up. I know there was a season that with Stefanski won 12 games. Shea, are you getting... Was right, that he up was very me? efficient. So, I mean, they're kind of like the difference between Baker Mayfield and Case Keenum are probably Baker might have a little stronger arm, but they're almost like, you know, twins. It's what, from all I see. So, I, the thing about Jalen Hurst, no, they don't need to bring him in. Uh, he's more of a runner than a throw. I think that just confuses the whole thing. I, you know, you don't want to be dealing with three quarterbacks just to have two and spend the money somewhere else. They don't need Jalen Hurts. Case Keenum uh, went 13 in, in 2017, went 13 and 3, but he threw for right. 22 touchdowns, only threw seven picks. Uh, he was That's sacked good. 22 times. And he had a QBR that year of 98.6, so, or 98.3. So, again, in Shay, what was, pull, uh, send me over 18. What was eight, What did 18 look like? So 18, again, threw for over almost 4,000 yards, threw for 3,800 yards, 18 touchdowns. Now he was a little bit more, you know, he threw double the picks uh, from the year before with 15, but he was sacked more times, and his QBR dropped down to 80. And what was 19, Shay? And, and, and again, he threw for well under 2,000 yards this time. So his numbers have regressed. Do I think he's a starter in Cleveland? No. But, again, I don't think he is that bad to where he would have agreed to be a backup for three years. That's all. Yeah, we'll find out in the exhibition games. Everything will sort itself out. It's, I, I just can't wait to, for training camp, really. <laughs> no kidding. I think all the players feel the same and all fans across the board. So, holy moly. But Okay, okay thanks a lot, Justin. Anytime, Ed. Take care. All right, bye. All right, four five seven nine four six four. Um, Ron messages in. He says uh, Nick Foles. He knows the system. Nick Foles didn't go to the Bears to be a backup, and that was a trade. Um, Nick Foles, by the way, you know Nick Foles came back. And again, this is my point, though. One year, there are quarterbacks who will go agree to be a backup for one year. 
with the mindset that hey, Rome, I'm only going to marry you for one year because I want to, you know, see if there. I, I want to go, you know, see how many other fish are out in the sea. I want to see if there's, you know, other starting opportunities. Nick Foles went back to the Eagles for one. He won a Super Bowl with them as a backup. Okay, uh, he was contemplating retirement, and then that happens. He wins a Super Bowl MVP, comes back as a as a backup. So you know, it is what it is. Then he goes to the the, the Jaguars. That didn't work out. He gets that big injury last year. He's traded to the Bears this season. Very expensive. Back up, and then that's why the Bears are having a discussion now. Basically, opening, you know, they've opened it up. It is a quarterback competition now. So Nick Foles is not in Chicago to be the backup. He has a chance to be the starter. Um, whether he lands that job or not, uh, that time will tell. I think that Nick Foles is always going to be one of those that teams are going to take chances on just because they are curious. Okay. Is there a chance that we can catch lightning in a bottle twice? Can we get that Nick Foles that went on that tear in the playoffs and, you know, Super Bowl MVP threw for 300-plus yards, uh, multiple touchdowns? I mean, just he'd look like a all-pro quarterback in the playoffs. It was unreal. 4 5 seven, nine, four, six, four. Um, Interesting nonetheless. But, yeah, as far as Jalen Hurts is concerned, you know, why, why are the Browns engaging in conversation with him? Why are they sitting down and having um, meetings with him? You could just say that, hey, they're doing their due diligence, but... Again, I don't think that the Browns are in a position that they need a quarterback. You have Baker Mayfield for two more years. You have Case Keenum for three. You have needs on the defensive side. You have shrunk that window down to a win-now mode for the Browns. So that's why the Jalen Hurts thing kind of interests me, as far as I'm concerned. Is there some is, is there some weight there that they is there a chance that you could potentially hear the Browns? Call Jalen Hurts' name. If the Browns draft Jalen Hurts high in the draft, and I'm not saying first round, uh, and I don't even know how far Jalen, I haven't even taken a look at second and third round projections of where Jalen would end up. But there is, a, I mean, if the Cleveland Browns did waste a pick on him in the second round, I think that would be as dumb as dumb can be. I really do. That, that would just be typical Browns move, though, where they think they're the smartest one in the room. And although they're going to be the only person in the room, there's only going to be one person in the room. They came out today and said the draft will be done from home. Um, I don't know, and, and I saw Schlemmer post this on his page earlier. I don't know the details of, you know, if you're the Bengals, is it, is it, you know, is it Duke Tobin? Is he, is he the one sitting in a room by himself making other decisions? I'm sure everyone will be on a conference call. Um, but, you know, the Browns, who's going to be making those calls there? We know that Dorsey was very hands-on by himself. He would not let the Haslams get involved. You have, I think, the second or the youngest GM in all of the NFL right now running the Browns. You know, are they going to trust him to do his dra- this draft on his own? I don't know. How hands-on will the Haslams be? That's going to be a big key for the Browns as they draft in a different type of environment than what we were expecting heading in uh, to this draft in Vegas this year. But 457-9464. The other news with the Browns over the weekend, uh, you know, Adam Schefter comes out and says that, look, they had a deal in place for Jadavion Clowney, uh, and then it fell through. And I thought that was that was big time for one because I love what the Browns are doing. The Browns and the Bengals are both going all in, and that's what I love. Now I don't know about the Bengals going all in in regards to putting you know putting a Super Bowl team out on the field. I don't think that they're going all in as far as that's concerned. Uh, but I do believe that they have improved their team enough. And some Bengals fans think I'm crazy for saying this, but I do believe they have improved their team enough to maybe, uh, depending on how. Uh, Joe Burrow comes out and starts swinging, they could be a playoff contender. They could be in the mix for things as far as that second wild card game that was added and approved for the 2020 season. So, uh, But the Browns, 
you know, I, I know it sounds funny putting the Browns and playoffs in the same sentence and Browns and Super Bowl, but you don't go make you don't go get a Jadavion Clowney if you're not trying to win a Super Bowl. You saw that the Seahawks last year pulled that deal off to go get him because the Seahawks were trying to win a Super Bowl. You don't go make your tight end the highest paid tight end in football to add to a roster that already has a very uh, expensive receiver in OBJ and Jarvis Landry. You already have two running backs in Kareem Hunt and, and obviously Chubb. You don't make these moves unless you're trying to win a Super Bowl. The Browns are trying to win a Super Bowl in 2020. Things fell through late. I think more so on Clowney's side than anything else. The Browns are going all in. They are trying to win a Super Bowl, and that has to make Browns fans feel extremely excited. And, uh, well, that'll just lead to the many other fans out there who hate the Browns continue to make fun of them for last year's uh, results based on the draft. But regardless, we'll get into more of that coming up later on in the show. Ten minutes from now, we will give you, it's 3.30 on the dot at 3.40, we will reveal uh, our winning word for the Support Local Business $1,000 a day keyword giveaway. $1,000 giveaway, so make sure you are listening for that. When I drop that keyword, you will head to wingam.com and enter it for your chance to win $1,000. All right, we'll step away for a few moments on the other side. I don't know how many of you had a chance to watch WrestleMania over the weekend. Uh, I know that none of you went to WrestleMania because no one was at WrestleMania. And everything, and this is what I don't get. WrestleMania did what you want baseball to do and you want football and basketball to do. But yet you complained about it for wrestling. What makes me think that you wouldn't complain about it for, for baseball? You want baseball to go on, even even if it's in empty stadiums, because at least it's baseball. Well, wrestling went ahead and put on an empty show WrestleMania, empty stadium WrestleMania, and you complained because of that. What makes that different than the other sports in regards to how your reaction is going to be? Because the no fans make it weird. The no fan Watching WrestleMania with no fans was very odd. It was very strange. It had the big-name superstars. It had the star power, but... It just scream. It just shows you how important the fans are when it comes to the the dis, the production of everything. So what's what's different than baseball? What's who's to say that if baseball played in empty stadiums, that you would also be upset and say they should have just canceled the season? Because everyone said that about WrestleMania. This is stupid. This is dumb. The, the matches are cool, but the, the you know the no fans thing. It's totally ruined it. That's not what WrestleMania is. Well, baseball is not supposed to be played in front of empty stadiums. You should tell some owners that. But, you know, sports, they're, they're not designed to be performed in empty stadiums. But that's what you would be asking them to do if it meant at least getting a season in during this COVID-19 response. So if you complained about WrestleMania, what's to say you would not complain about baseball in empty stadiums or NFL in empty stadiums or college football in empty stadiums? We'll discuss next. 1410 Wing AM. And welcome back, Justin Kinner with you here. It's the Justin Kinner Show, live here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410, Wing AM. All right, so here's the deal. Uh, and right now, I'm getting this sit in with Antonio Brown. What is Antonio Brown doing now? Oh, he hires. Uh, so the Bengals are going in to be competitors again. The Browns just continue to, to uh, really enhance what is already one of the sexier rosters in the National Football League. And as we learned last year, that doesn't always result in wins uh, because coaching matters and I think they addressed that in the offseason as well. You have the you know the Baltimore Ravens who won the AFC North the last two seasons. 
Uh, you have Lamar Jackson, who got him there both seasons, including winning an MVP last year. So you add that into the mix of potentially having a shot where they would match up, you know, you know, match up well with Antonio Brown. I think that would be huge. That would be great. Um, I think that you know, especially with the storylines, they would write themselves. MVP quarterback Lamar Jackson and Antonio Brown against you know Baker Mayfield and and OBJ, or against Joe Burrow and AJ Green, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, and well, they don't have as sexy of a wide receiving core as the other teams in the league. Um, but again, you have Big Ben, you have Mike Tomlin, you have the Steelers, who are still one of the best run organizations in all of football. So I think this is huge. If Antonio Brown does get back into the league, do I think he deserves it? No, I think that he has been a mess off the field, and um, sometimes it does take everything being taken away from you before it humbles you enough to change. But sometimes you might have, you may have burned way too many bridges to kind of get back into the game. Antonio Brown's type of talent will always open the door for, will always leave the door open for an opportunity for him to come back. It's just which teams out there are desperate enough to do it. Are the Ravens desperate enough to put their, to, to, you know, to put the last two years of success, are they willing to put that on the line and bring in a guy in that is just a walking soap opera? And that's going to be something that they have to decide. And who's to say that Antonio Brown would even be able to play right away? Because there is going to be the conversation of the NFL has yet to be able to discipline him for his off-the-field arrest and the assault charge and everything else that has been going on with him from a legal standpoint. The NFL has yet to be able to punish him for any of those things because he has not been an active player on an active roster. So that's something else that teams are going to have to consider um, moving forward. So we shall see how that pans out. But we'll talk about that again with ESPN's Jeremy Fowler coming up later on in the show. All right, so I don't know about you, but uh, I was intrigued and disappointed. I was disappointed about two or three weeks ago when I found out that WrestleMania was going to go on um, without no fans. Uh, and Because I just thought that what makes WrestleMania so unique is whether you like wrestling or not, there is still... there. Nothing looks cooler than watching a wrestling match with 80,000 fans in attendance. Like, even if you don't like it, you still tune in for maybe five or ten minutes if you're a non-fan just because it looks cool. Like, can you imagine what it would be like? Like, say what you want. Imagine what it would be like to be a pro baseball player, a pro basketball player. You know, you play in front of 20,000 fans. But imagine a WrestleMania where, you know, and March Madness can be brought into this as well, playing in the the Final Four National Championship game when you're playing in front of these crowds that are just unimaginable. Um, but just think about how cool that would be to to wrestle in a match at WrestleMania in front of 80,000 plus fans. There is nothing like it. Even if you don't like wrestling, you have to admit that that is something that is probably one of the most unique things out there. And no, wrestling is not a sport. It's sports entertainment. Yes, if you try to throw the, you know it's fake, right? You know that's not going to throw me off my game because, duh, of course it is. They never try to pretend that it's real. So that's a conversation for later. So, with that being said, I was a little disappointed because sometimes the theatrics of WrestleMania, the optics of WrestleMania, the large crowds, um, that's, you know, their goal every year is to try to set attendance records in every stadium or arena that they take WrestleMania to. Um, and that's just what makes WrestleMania WrestleMania. It's a spectacle. It's 80,000 plus fans that you're, it's just unbelievable. There's not many events in the world that you could put together to get 80,000 fans to come to every single year, and they do it. This year was different because obviously the coronavirus and no, you know, no large gatherings of fans, even for a simple little 10,000 fan arena, you can't do it. So we knew WrestleMania was going to be impacted, but we thought that they would do what a lot of sports leagues or other sports events are doing and just pushing things back, pushing it back until a time that they would be able to have fans, you know, attend. WrestleMania went against the norm of what everyone else did, and Vince McMahon decided that they were going to hold WrestleMania in their performance center over in Florida, no live crowd. 
in a, an event that is used to doing it in, in the very least in front of 65, 70,000 is now doing it in front of nobody. And I didn't like it because I like what I enjoy about WrestleMania is the crowd aspect. Uh, but I thought it was really cool that they were going to do the show anyways. It get, I mean, it was something for you, the fans, to be able to look forward to. You could look forward to WrestleMania. Right now, when all of your sports are being taken away, WrestleMania brought you a live event. Live. Not You couldn't attend it live. You could watch it live. Well, technically, kind of. You watched it altogether. It was pre-recorded. Hell, who cares? You see my point. But the bottom line is that WrestleMania went on and did something that we want Major League Baseball to do, that we wanted March Madness to do, that we want college football and the NFL to do if it comes to it. If the NBA comes back, we you know we want it to come back. Even if you're not a big basketball fan, at this point you'll take it. You want the season to take place knowing that it will probably be in front of an empty stadium or empty arenas across the country. That's just kind of what we have mentally accepted. And I hear people all the time that call into the show and tweet me during the show that say, or just listening to other shows, fans want baseball, even if it's in an empty stadium. They just want to watch their team. If, it, if this bleeds into the NFL and college football season, as damning as that will be, as frustrating as that will be, you want to still watch the Buckeyes, even as awkward as it would be in front of an, in, in, you know, in the empty shoe. Or do you? Because I'm hearing that you want this to happen no matter what, but yet WrestleMania goes on no matter what. And all people did was bitch all weekend about how stupid this WrestleMania was. Folks, of course it looked stupid. There was no fans. But they did it for the fans to still have something to watch and, and experience. Because right now, everything else from an entertainment standpoint has basically been taken away from you. When the second best thing that you freaking have is Tiger King. Uh, I'm sorry, but your entertainment worlds are kind of void at the moment. So I give WrestleMania a ton of credit. I'm not even coming talking about this from a wrestling fan standpoint. If I hated wrestling, I would still apply applaud them because I give them credit. You know how much money they lost by not having uh, you know, the ticket money and everything else? Like They took a hit to still bring you a show. And you still weren't happy about it. You still bitched about it. You still complained about it. So my question is, is we already witnessed a big event happen in an empty stadium to your disapproval. So what is to make me believe that you would actually be happy watching the Reds play in an empty American, Great American Ballpark? And don't respond with, oh, well, it'll be fine because we've been watching him do it the last five years anyways. Ha, ha, you're hilarious. Open mic night. Ha, ha. Get it. You're hilarious. Got it. You see my point. What about Yankees fans? What about Cardinals fans who are used to, you know, have an average attendance of what, Shay? Don't they have like about like 40,000 uh, fans? Don't they have like 40,000 fans a night? Isn't yeah. that there? Somewhere between 38 and 40 on most nights, yeah. So, again, you know, you you sit there, you know, a lot of fans say, oh, I want baseball back, even if it's in front of empty. Fans said they wanted wrestling back, and then they get it, and then they bitch because it's in an empty arena. So I'm curious, 4579464, did watching WrestleMania change your mind in wanting live sports back in empty arenas because it was awkward. It wasn't the same. It was the same mega card that would have just looked fantastic in front of 80,000 fans, but because it was done in an empty little gym, it didn't have that same feel. So, that will, folks, that'll be the case. If Ohio State, if we get to that point, if Ohio State's playing in an empty shoe, what's to make, you, what's to make me believe that you aren't going to look at that and say, oh, this is stupid? Four five seven nine four six four. Did WrestleMania change your mind on watching these live sports 
in an empty venue. We'll discuss next. Visit your locally owned Cup Cadet dealer, East Lawn and Garden, and find out how the Ultima Series zero-turn mowers sparked a zero-turn revolution. Engineered to give you the ultimate all-around mowing experience. The Ultima Series delivers next-level comfort and cut quality, as well as superior speed and control. It's all supported by the genuine parts, accessories, and trained service technicians you'll only find at your local Cub Cadet dealer. Test drive the ultimate mowing experience today at East Lawn and Garden, 1632 East Route 36 in Urbana for expert advice, superior service, and exceptional offers. All right, right now, head to wingam.com and enter the keyword Frickers. Frickers is your winning word here for the 3 o'clock hour. Enter Frickers at wingam.com. Click on the support local business. $1,000 giveaway cash contest. Enter the keyword Frickers for your chance to win $1,000. More of the Justin Kinner Show next. There's a lot going on right now, and more than ever, people need their tax refund. H&R Block has many ways to do your taxes as safely as possible. Work with the Tax Pro remotely, drop off, or file online. Block is always here to help. The Justin Kinner Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. All right, and we are back. It's the Justin Kinner Show. Again, if you didn't hear it during the commercial break, head to wingam.com. Your winning keyword for the support local business $1,000 day giveaway is Frickers. Again, every keyword 18 times a day will be a local business, so make sure that you are going out and supporting local business. And just think if you are one of the local, uh, one of the lucky winners, think of all the local businesses that you can help support. But those are the cards that we are dealt as a viewer and for them as a business and as an entertainment industry. That's the reality of it. And I bring that up because I keep hearing fans say, I just want baseball. Even if it's in empty stadiums, I just want it. I heard a lot of Flyer fans that say it sucked that they couldn't go watch the Flyers, but they wish they would have moved forward with the NCAA tournament in empty stadiums. And even as in a month ago, I kept hearing, oh, well, if Mania has to be moved, I just hope that, you know, they, it's still, I hope there's still Mania. I hope they still have WrestleMania, uh, even if it's an empty stadium. So they put it on in an empty stadium stadium and people lose their minds. They're furious. Oh, how stupid and awkward it is. It, it, it's, it's not the same. Well, of course it's not the same. And baseball without fans will not be the same. College football, NFL, NBA, of course all of this is not going to be the same without fans. But you say you want it, but I don't believe you do. Because when you got WrestleMania in front with no fans, all people did was complain. What's to make me believe? What may, why? Why should I believe that you won't do the same thing with baseball and others? If these, are, if they're going to find a way to put these games on, yes, for them from a business standpoint, uh, and yes, for you, the fans. But who's to say that you won't turn back and stab them in the back and say, "Oh, this is crap. It's in front of empty stadiums." Considering the circumstances, I think it's special that they're even doing any of this at all. Let's go to Cool Paul. What's up, Cool Paul? How are you, man? All right, cool, Paul, call back. I promise you we'll get to your call uh, right away. 457-9464. Once again, the winning word is Frickers uh, for the 3 o'clock hour for the local business $1,000 a day cash contest. So make sure you take advantage of that by going to wingam.com and taking advantage of that opportunity right there. Uh, but, yeah, other than the empty stadium, I still thought, you know, I thought the, the WrestleMania stuff that they did was, that was coolest was the... They almost had like that movie feel to them. They they did some of the matches not in a stadium, but they did like a pre-recorded type movie thing that they recorded before. I thought that the Undertaker match was awesome. Uh, the special effects and the graphics and everything was pretty cool considering the circumstances. I thought they knocked it out of the park. But that's my concern. Like baseball, like we want baseball bad, and we say, oh, we don't care. Well, we'll you know, well, I, j I just want baseball, even if it's in an empty ballpark. And then we're going to get to the ballpark, and then you're going to we're going to watch the game, and then you're going to realize, oh yeah. This just isn't cool. Like, this isn't the same thing. And of course it's not going to be. 
But you saw over the weekend at WrestleMania, no fans in attendance, how much it ruins the viewing experience. And I believe that it will impact... It, I think it'll not ruin, but it'll definitely... It'll more than water down the viewing experience when it comes to the NBA, when it comes to Major League Baseball, NFL, college football, what have you. Uh, and you're seeing a lot of other events kind of, you know, make adjustments as, they, as we move on here due to COVID-19. The NFL draft comes out and announces that, hey, they're going to do this moving forward. All personnel will be doing it remotely from their houses. There will not be uh, little stationary places that they will all meet at. They are keeping everyone separate. No one will be doing this as a, as a team or as a group. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what hurdles that teams have to jump through uh, to accomplish that. All right, that wraps it up for Hour 1. Hour 2, we'll chat with Keith Byers. We'll also discuss... Uh, you know, Caesar Sportsbook comes out and announces that the Clemson Tigers are the favorites for 2020 to win the College Football National Championship. What about the Buckeyes? What happened to them? We'll get into all that coming up uh, here in hour number two. Don't go anywhere. There's a lot going on right now, and more than ever, people need their tax refund. H&R Block has many ways to do your taxes as safely as possible. Work with the tax pro remotely, drop off, or file online. Block is always here to help. Live here on ESPN Dayton. Football Hall of Famer Keith Byers, former Buckeye NFL Pro Bowl running back and host of the Keith Byers Show, Mondays from noon to one, will join us coming up here in ten minutes. We'll talk with him about how he would uh, how he would have handled this mentally as a college player or pro player during this time of prepping for a season that you don't know if it's going to, if it's going to happen or not. And yes, we could sit here and play that game of oh my goodness, it's literally you know five days, six days into April, and we're talking about a season that doesn't start till August. Folks, you got to be under you got to understand something here. The first game may not be till August or September, technically. But you know, the first games are technically in all you know preseason, everything like you know preseason, you know offseason workouts, everything that goes into prepping you for the season to actually get here. All of that stuff is being pushed back. So yes, we may be talking about August, but it's actually July, which is already April. So when we, you know, by the time we get this stay-at-home order lifted by May, assuming that it ends in early May, which I, you know, not trying to be negative here, I just I have my doubts that it will. Um, then. You know, where do we go from there? Like, it's constantly pushing things back. So, again, we'll talk about that with Keith Byers coming up here on just a moment, and we'll talk some NFL uh, and college football with him as well. Now, if you missed the winning keyword uh, for the 3 o'clock hour, don't worry. Coming up here at 4.30, we will have the next keyword for your chance to win $1,000 every day, every hour from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. Monday, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 11 p.m., we're giving out a winning word, the winning words being local businesses here. It's our local business $1,000 a day giveaway. Enter the local business keyword that you hear at wingam.com. You'll get an email confirming your registration. If you win, you win $1,000. Think of all the local businesses you can help support with an extra $1,000 right now. And again, you have 18 chances a day uh, to be a lucky winner. So take advantage of that and head to wingam.com. Another contest we're running right now. 
If you ever thought about being a, a, a sports radio host, now is your chance. Right now, every Monday, we will be drawing a winner uh, for the Justin Kinner Show fan segment. Every Wednesday, we will bring on a guest co-host. You will co-host a segment with me, uh, you the listeners. If you win, you will get to co-host a segment with me. You get to pick the topic. Uh, you will get your picture on all of our online elements, all of our online promos. You'll get your name and on-air promos. Uh, you'll be able to you know, brag to all your friends, family, and whatnot. So, again, take advantage of that. Go to wingam.com. While you're entering the keyword for the $1,000 a day giveaway for the local business uh, keyword, you can also register for the Justin Kinner Show fan segment. So every Monday we draw a winner. Every Wednesday we will have you on the show, uh, and we're doing that all of April. So take advantage of that. That contest is live as well at wingam.com. All right, let's get into this. Um, So the Clemson Tigers. Let's talk some college football. So the Clemson Tigers. Uh, We know last year, and this is what I always laugh at too, because although, you know, especially talking a lot of college basketballs of late. Uh, I'm seeing uh, you know a lot of, of back and forth between Iowa fans and UD fans on social media. Uh, and I always like to kind of point out the hypocrisies in fan bases sometimes because I always laugh when I see that when Iowa fans are using the A-10 as an example as to why they are downgrading the success of the Dayton Flyers because they play in a weak conference, Iowa's argument is, is that, hey, if we played in the A-10, we'd look just as good as you two, which I do not believe, not for one second, but their their argument is valid. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an argument that we make all the time for our teams in other sports. I mean, the same fans that are saying how ridiculous it is of Iowa to downgrade the success of UD because of the fact that they play in the A-10, you are the same fans that like to criticize Clemson and say that they are only having the success they are because they play in the weak ACC or a conference that is not as good as the Big Ten. We hear it all the time, and it's valid. So my question to you is, why is that argument valid in football but not in basketball? And by the way, I'm not agreeing with Iowa fans. Uh, I've argued about OB and and UD this year um, that I didn't need to see them play somebody to know that they are somebody, although there was a chance they could have been exposed in the NCAA tournament. Um, but there are many that believe they were the real deal. We'll never know. That's what, you know, this never-ending, ongoing argument will always be, you know, when we do our biggest what-ifs in sports, one of the biggest what-ifs in sports locally will always be this 2019-2020 Dayton Flyers team. That's That'll always be the biggest what-if because we don't know. We know how dominant they looked. Uh, they looked head and shoulders better than the A-10. Uh, you have a Big Ten conference with, you know, maybe two of them don't even make the big, you know, the NCAA tournament. So that's why you have Iowa fans arguing that, hey, Obi and them shouldn't be winning all these awards over Garza because Garza went up against better talent every night. Again, don't agree with it, but I understand the logic. The logic makes sense. It's the same logic that Buckeye fans used all fall when we were talking college football playoffs, when I was arguing that Clemson should have been number one over Ohio State. Everyone kept saying, oh, yeah, well, Ohio State, they play tougher teams every week. They don't play the weak ACC. And I had to keep reminding people the same way that you UD fans are having to remind Iowa that I don't need to see Clemson play somebody to know that they are somebody. Now, Clemson did go on to lose in the national championship. But they got to the national championship. Like, they are that good. Uh, they beat Ohio State. And I don't care what anybody says. It wasn't because of officiating. Officiating played a role in the outcome of the game. But so did giving up, you know, how many unanswered points to Clemson. Like, I'm not trying to open up old wounds, so we'll just leave it alone with that. But you see my point. Clemson returns. We knew that the Clemson dynasty was going to you know, pick up after the Deshaun Watson left because, you know, you had Trevor Lawrence come in and lead them to a national championship. And, you know, they've been to, I think, four of the last five. Uh, they've been to five straight college football playoffs. They've won the ACC five straight years. Um, you know, they've been to the playoffs 
I think, what, four or five straight years as well. I mean, it's the run that they are on is unbelievable. I mean, right there, it's Dabo Sweeney and it's Nick Saban as far as the dominating in the playoffs and when it comes to winning national championships. Um, it's been an, it's been a Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney world. Urban Meyer was trying to infringe on that world, but obviously some off-the-field issues led to that, you know, kind of that demise of Urban Meyer. Ryan Day is trying to pick the, not pick the program back up off the mat, um, but, you know, they took a blow to the stomach and they kneeled over a little bit. They didn't collapse to the mat, but, you know, he has them standing back up and upright and ready for another round. So I believe Ohio State and Ryan Day, they're going to be, I need to see another year of Ryan Day's success, and then you could start putting him in that conversation with Dabo and, and Nick. But for right now, it's a Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney world. Ryan Day is coming up on the heels of both and nipping at the heels of both. But right now, it's actually technically a Dabo Sweeney world, and everyone else is trying to compete with them. I know that the ACC is weak. I know that the ACC is not that strong, um, and I completely get that. But the one thing that we do know is that the ACC being weak has nothing to do with Clemson being good or bad. Clemson is good because of Dabo Sweeney. Clemson is good is because they recruit just the same as Ohio State and Alabama, if not better. They are the real deal. And they are, according uh, you know, to Caesar Sportsbook, the favorite to win the national championship in 2020. They have their win total set at 11.5. Look, by the way, I do believe that these teams are punished for the conferences that they play in. UD had to, and, and again, I'm using a college basketball reference here, but keep in mind, I don't know, like when we talk about conferences, like we never got to see the A-10 play a role in UD's perception with the, you know, with the NCAA tournament or with the with the AP voters because all UD did was win. They beat every A-10 team in front of them. And when you do that, there's really nothing you can do other than keep moving them up the rankings because, hey, we're acknowledging that the A-10 is not as strong as some of the other, you know, high major conferences. But as long as UD is showing that they are double digits better than everyone in that conference, I mean, they're showing that they belong with the bigger teams out in the, with the rest of the country. I'm fine with that. And it's the same thing with Clemson. Outside of that game with North Carolina – they only won by one last year. Again, back to football, but I'm just trying to, you know, give you an example of, you know, how to view all this. Outside of that game with North Carolina, they had an off night, and if on an off night you still come away with the win, I'm fine with that because they blew every. They put 50 on everyone else the rest of the year. Like Clemson was the real deal last year. Why people spent so much time trying to water down the success of Clemson is just beyond me. The same frustration I had with that is the same frustration UD fans have with those outside of the A-10 and outside of the Flyer fan base trying to you know piss on what they did. So I get the frustration, don't get me wrong, but that same mindset has to exist with Clemson. You bring back Trevor Lawrence, uh, you're bringing back ETN again, a strong quarterback, running back duo. You have tremendous wideouts. Again, you're losing quite a few to the draft. I get that. But Clemson's the real deal. Dabo Sweeney's the real deal. They've been doing this for a while. All right? My biggest thing about coaches, I always say, I will, I'll always be impressed by a good recruiting class. And this is what my take was on Archie Miller when he was at UD. And I still think that that's one reason you see coaches bounce when they get one really good recruiting class and they're banking on their stock, you know, being at an all-time high. Archie, if he would have stayed at UD and tried it all again with a new recruiting class, who's to say that his coaching stock would have been as high as it was the year that he took the Indiana job? Had he stayed and put his stock in McKinley Wright and Antetokounmpo and those guys, who's to say that he would have had the choice of the Buckeye job or another Big Ten job down the road. You know, he may not have been able to replicate the success with that second recruiting class as he did with that first one with Scoochie Smith and Pollard and those guys. 
So that's always my thing is I'm always impressed with coaches who bring in a good class and win with that class, but can you do it a second time? And that's what I love about Dabo Swinney. That's what I loved about Nick Saban. Nick Saban does it with recruiting class after recruiting class after recruiting class. Dabo Swinney does the same thing. Oh, that's great. You won a national championship. You won a lot of game with with Deshaun Watson. Let's see what you do without Deshaun Watson. I bet you can't. Oh, you won with your freshman quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, and you still have three more years of him. And you've been to the playoffs every. I mean, you you know you you lost Alabama one year. You you know you get to the national title game last year and you lose obviously um, to LSU and you have a chance to get right back there again this year. Dabo Sweeney can do it over and over again. He's already proven that. I respect the Dabo Sweeney's of the world way more than I do the coaches who hit a home run with one good pitch that they get. But can you hit a second home run? Can you hit that third home run? Dabo's done that. Nick Saban's done that. Urban Meyer did it when he was coaching. Ryan Day, you know, it's going to be a year or two before we really... I mean, right now, what he's doing for 2021, I mean, it's unbelievable, especially considering the circumstances of, you know, of the day and age that we're living in right now in this lockdown. The fact that he's been able to just absolutely embarrass Clemson, Alabama, and everybody else in, co- in the college football world for the class of 21. Ryan Day is setting up shop for a while. He is setting up uh, one hell of a run in Columbus. And he's going to get there. But for right now, I'm just focused on Clemson and what Dabo's been able to do. Um, look, you have Ohio State, you have Justin Fields, uh, you you know, you have the, the running back that you bring in from Oklahoma, the transfer. You don't know what you get with Master T. Uh, Marcus Crowley, he's recovering from an injury as well. You have, you know, really good recruiting, uh, really good wide receiver class, but again, young. So you don't know really what you get there. Ohio State's in good shape. I mean, when you read the article, it's the same as it is every year. It's Clemson, it's Alabama, and it's Ohio State. So that's what I expect to get in 2020 with the wild card team coming in the mix. I don't think it's going to be out of the Big Ten. You know, who knows what's going to happen as far as that's concerned. LSU, how much of a gap? How much of a drop are they going to take? You know, post Joe Burrow. The Big 12, I'm not buying into them. I, you know, it, it's it's the same three teams over and over with that rotating door at number four. All right, folks, let's step away for a few minutes. When we come back, Keith Byers, College Football Hall of Famer, we'll talk about Ohio State. We'll talk some Ohio State football with him. We'll talk about how he would react if he was a player uh, in 2020, dealing with the mindset of prepping for a season that may or may not happen. We'll talk about that with Keith Byers next. There's a lot going on right now, and more than ever, people need their tax refund. H&R Block has many ways to do your taxes as safely as possible. Work with the Tax Pro remotely, drop off, or file online. Block is always here to help. Now, back to the Justin Kinner Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. The Justin Kinner Show, live here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Hey, I mean, month of all April. You know, a few weeks we're going to have the NFL draft. So our lights will be green light all the way through the rest of the year. Right now, I think it's safe to say we're on at least a yellow. It's not green. The light is yellow with a possible red. <laughs> so we don't necessarily it's, it's a solid yellow light, meaning we have to be cautious coming in that intersection of the NFL season because we're only, what, three months away from training camp being open in July. So it, it's, it's, it's coming real fast. A lot of critics of the NFL saying that the NFL draft should not go on here in three weeks, that amongst the uh, we are at the the peak or the most extreme of the COVID-19 outbreak and with all of the uh, fatalities from this, that it seemed that the NFL, not to, according to me, but Adam Schefter and some others saying that the NFL seems a little tone deaf at the moment by moving forward with the NFL draft. 
I don't believe that's the case. I, I don't know how you distinguish what is uh, tone deaf in, in regards to what goes on and what does not go on during this time. I mean, life has to go on as much as we can let it go on during this stretch. No, it, it, I think that's a, that's a strong word to say, tone deaf. I mean, the uh, NFL draft, you know, you don't have to be in one city to have the draft. You know, with uh, what's it called? Separation? Uh, social, social distancing. Social distancing, that's the word. Every NFL facility has that big offensive, bigger team meeting room. You could be, you know, social distance in that room with your draft war room. You don't need to have 50, 50, 50 to 100 people in your war room. All you need is the decision makers in there. You could easily be in there with six to ten people or less. <laughs> you need your head coach in there. You need your general manager. You don't really need the owner in the room, but he can be in the room. And maybe two or three other people, and they could be spaced around and saying, hey, we can talk about that. And then the rest of assistant coaches, they could be off separated in another couple of rooms to, you know, to interject their advice on, you know, I know how hectic draft day can be, but you're already prepared. They're, they're preparing for the draft. Technically, they should have been doing that since January when your season ended. <laughs> February by Super Bowl. So you know... You know, you that's the time you put in that time to work. So that can go on without a hitch. Yes, we don't need the pomp and circumstance of a Las Vegas event or wherever city there's going to be in the future. But this year it's in Las Vegas. You don't need to do that to be able to still draft. And that's a phone call. I got a phone call in my basement here in Dayton, Ohio. Yep. The Eagles drafted me. And I was more than fine and happy with it. And the reason that that is significant is because of this. I mean, you were a first-round top 10 pick. You were picked 10th by the Eagles, obviously. With that being said, you know, a lot of times now, the those who are projected to go in the first round, them and their families are all flown out and invited to uh, wherever, the, wherever the draft is going to be. Last year in Tennessee, this year supposed to be in Vegas, Cleveland next year. Um, so people are saying, oh, no, that, that needs to happen. That does not need, Don't need to, to happen. happen. The, ratings, the ratings show became as big as it did during the stretch like yours where you were just getting calls at home. So it can be done. So to act like this draft can't go on is ridiculous. It can be done. It's just called going back to your roots of what used to work. <laughs> exactly. You said you were here in Dayton when you were drafted. You were a top 10 draft pick. It's not like you were a fifth rounder like most people who are at home and get the call. You knew you were going to be a first round top pick and Correct. you were. And nobody went to New York. The one pick, Bo Jackson was picked first. He didn't go to New York. One through nine, one through th th 28. None of us, no, no first rounder went to New York. Only people who were in New York was the commissioner and the representatives from each NFL team. That's and this here, here's a piece of paper that we, you know, you write down the player's name on and go up there to the microphone and read it to the to the uh, national media and the, and the world, you know, because I think ESPN covered it at that time. Yep. And uh, so I had maybe 45 seconds or a minute before I got the phone call. Before Pete Rozelle was walking back up there, he's Pete Rozelle's commissioner for you guys who've forgotten <laughs> at the time. And the thing I misspoke, uh, you know, he called my name. So you don't necessarily need that. It, it, it goes on without a hitch anyway. Because we don't know what the future holds. So why would you delay the draft if the NFL team's behind a schedule which we don't know? Keep that kind of stuff on schedule. So, of course, you know, if I'm a. If I'm a uh, drafty coming in on the NFL draft. I want to. I can't wait for you to call my name. Now you're gonna push it back to May or June. Like, man, I want to know where I'm getting drafted to. You know, let me know. Yeah, especially. I mean, in the longer, and the Cincinnati Bengals, they're first on the. They got the first pick. Yeah. 
Let's say if they know they want to take Joe Burrows. They could sign Joe Burrows today. They, they, they could technically sign him because he's a free agent. They could sign him today, give him some money. And then the second player pays people on the – who's second? Who, who's number two pick of the draft? Uh, okay. The uh, Redskins. The Redskins. They could go call Chase Young. They could stop up a minute and, 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 and it has happened like that in the past. It has went down to the third player. You know, the first two players have already signed before draft day. So then on the day of the draft, oh, then they just go and do through the formality and mention it. That, that has happened in the past where the first two picks have already been signed to their NFL contracts prior to their draft, you know, because negotiations worked out in that way. So it can happen, and Joe Burrows won't be in, any less happy. He, he'd have his millions of dollars right now before the draft. NFL adds the extra uh, wild card game. The 17 regular season games now, uh, you get that extra wild card game. You get the extra, you know, two extra teams on the playoffs and the AFC and NFC. I'm not against it. I just don't want to see below 500 teams in the playoff. Like, I, I've always looked at the playoff in any sport as that's supposed to be the showcase of the best of the best. The NBA, I do not believe, showcases the best of the best. They have too many teams, especially out of the East, that make it under 500. I think they have too many teams in. The NFL, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think 90 or 2,000 was the last time they even messed with the format, if I'm not mistaken. The NFL is as yeah. close to perfect as possible. I don't know why you mess with it. It's not a bad thing come playoff time. I just don't want you to let... I mean, last year there would have been two 7-9 and nine teams in the playoffs had they had this format last year. That would have been my concern. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, like I said, it, it was pretty perfect. You know, like, as close as perfect can be, you know, you got 16-game schedule. You know, two teams get a bye and the other six got to play. I mean, that was fine. That was, I mean, the other four have to play. That was, that was fine. Well, nothing wrong with the format. And... Again, why are you lowering the bar? It almost reminds me of the trophy generation. Now you get to up your resume as a coach. Yeah, I'm, my team's always qualified for the playoffs. Yeah, 8-8, eight 7-9. Eight, you know, before, 7-9 couldn't make the playoffs. 8-8, eight eight, you could buy the, you know, the hairs of your chinny-chin-chin you made the playoffs. But at least you was 500. Now, no. I love that year. The Patriots with Castle. Remember, they went like I think they won eleven games, ten, eleven games, and didn't even make the playoffs that year. See, but what they're opening up themselves to do by adding that seventh team into the playoffs, you're going to get rid of the divisions, for the most part. Then saying we're going to top the top seven teams make the playoffs because it's because you're a division winner at eight and eight, and you're a wild card at ten and six because it could be a twelve and four, eleven and five, ten and six teams all in the same division. <laughs> and you're gonna make that ten and six team, you know, play on the road, you know, and let an eight and eight team host the playoff game. Well, that happened last year. Uh, you looked at what was it, New York? No, not New York. Holy smokes, uh, the Eagles. Did the Eagles, who were what they finished eight and eight last year? Yeah, in Seattle. <laughs> and they, Seattle had to go to Philly to play. Right, exactly. And they were, you know, they were complaining about the Cowboys too. It would have been the Cowboys or the Eagles, whoever won that division, that was going to end up hosting a playoff game, and neither played. As well as the Seahawks all year, and the Seahawks the were the Seahawks one, you know, were one play away from being a number one seed, yep. and now they got to fly across country to Philly. It's playing eight and eighteen. <laughs> playing eight and eighteen. So uh, I like that change. You know, there's everything going on there. But let's talk about college football. Uh, former Pro Bowl running back Keith Byers with us here. Former Buckeye as well. Uh, Keith Byers show Mondays from noon to one, presented by Lee's Famous Recipe Chicken. Um, college football. That's a tough thing right now. To I mean, you. 
I knew how severe that the COVID-19 outbreak was um, even before March Madness was canceled. But the thing that caught my attention more than anything else, because you don't just cancel billion-dollar tournaments for the hell of it. I mean, there has to be a serious <laughs> enough reason. To, the second that March Madness was pulled, that's when my eyes opened up and said, okay, this is not just a... This isn't just a political argument. This isn't a side of, oh, who's overreacting and who isn't. This, that's, above, that's not overreacting. That is reacting to something that's very serious. If March Madness could be pulled, college football could be pulled as well. It's not that far off to, to think about how are you as a former Buckeye, former college football player, what are, what's going through the minds of these players right now? How would you be responding as a player in this situation of how to prepare for an upcoming year knowing that, man, there's a chance... I can not have my senior year or maybe not get to experience my freshman year. Yeah, oh, that would, whoo. Yeah, you blew my mind with that question. (laughs) (laughs) But it would, you know, I'm thinking at any point in my career, would I be okay with that? Incoming freshman, been excited to play in front of, you know, 100,000 fans, and now it may not happen at all. Or I'm a season, I'm, I'm Justin Fields. You know, this is going to be, uh, last year was my breakout season. Now this year, I think I got a chance to, legitimate chance to win the Heisman Trophy. May not happen. I'm Master Teague. I've been waiting for the opportunity to be the guy. Yeah, I'm hurt, but I should be healthy by the first guy. I can't wait to, you know, to be the next great Buckeye running back in the line of so many. On hold. I mean, the, the stories are, are, are countless. And I just can't imagine a football Saturday in the fall and no Ohio State painting. No, nobody in the stadium. You know, just an empty, vacant stadium. Uh, September, October, November. That would just be, you know, we're talking about history, one for the ages. Wow, that would just, that would be blowing my mind. No college football game on a Saturday. I mean, we know that it can happen with they taking away March Madness. And as big as March Madness is, it still doesn't replace every Saturday in no, college football. Three months. Three months. Four months, yeah. Of every Ohio Stadium, you know, go around the country. That was just, but, it, you know, I mean, I think college will have a bigger impact than it would hit us more for college than so than pros. You know, I know it's a little different, but I think everybody is into college football, no matter if you're Ohio State, North Dakota State, USC, Michigan, Alabama, you know, uh, HBCU schools, doesn't matter. It would have an impact. And it's having an impact even right now. If you, and again, I want both. I want the NFL and college football. But if there's one that you could not live without, if you could only have one, if COVID-19 can only eliminate one and not the other, which one, if you had to pick which one you would want, NFL Sunday or college football Saturday, which is the one sport that you just could not do without on, on the football Ooh. spectrum? <laughs> well, of course, like you said, I want all of them. I'm greedy. I want it all. But I would have to take college football. College football. I think yeah. there's more. That's tough, though. It's like I say college football because I'm looking forward to that. But then. Man, on Sundays, that void would just be significant. Yeah, I want it all. But see, the thing, the only reason why I give a slight edge to college football, uh, all things, but college football's forever. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to always, always, always be associated with this university. I know you got the, the transfer portal now, changing that up a little bit. But, you know, I, I'm Buckeyes. You know, when you go to pros on Sunday, you know, I love Ezekiel, but you pay for the Cowboys, Zeke. I love you. Hate your team. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, Malcolm Jenkins, you with my Eagles, but you left my Eagles and you go back to the Saints, Malcolm. But you're always a Buckeye. So Buckeye love 
is stronger than NFL love. NFL, you know, um, that just continues to bond us. But we cheer for you individually in NFL. But in college, we cheer for you individually and for your team, the jersey that you wear, because you're always going to be a Buckeye. You may not always be a Cowboy. You may not always be an Eagle. You may not always be a Redskin, but you're always a Buckeye. And that was one of the great things about being on the cruise, you know, with you know, with the uh, current players today. You know, we're sitting on a Buckeye cruise just a couple months ago, back in February, and I'm sitting there talking to Terry McLaurin, Paris Campbell, and Zeke Allen, and we're, you know, we're laughing, you know, about being Buckeyes over generational. You know, I'm sitting there with uh, one night with dinner, Johnny Dixon and Paris Campbell and and uh, Terry McLaurin. We're sitting eating dinner. Urban Meyer walks up to the table, and he said, "Yeah, he's pointing at me." He said, "You guys don't realize he's one of the top five ever play here." And they're like, "Huh? Yes, you heard me." <laughs> Urban Meyer sitting there talking about. He said, "He's one of the top five Buckeyes to ever play here." They're like, "Really?" I'm like, "We know who you. You know who he is." But he's like, "No, you don't know who he is." You said that's Urban's like you don't know who Keith Myers. You think you know, but you, you think don't know. you know. You, you don't really know because he said when I said top five, you guys wouldn't roll. You wouldn't like look at me like, are you serious, coach? <laughs> he said he's one of the top five. Y'all go do your homework. And Herbert walked away from the table. They sit there. They looking at me. え、来、え、来、あの、you players are allowed to transfer one time without penalty. They would not have to sit out. If that rule existed back in your day, and I already know your answer, but I'm going to ask you anyways, would that have would have you been tempted at all to go elsewhere uh, if you were allowed to transfer one time without penalty? Um, yes. I would have been tempted. You know, um, uh, I would have been tempted. I wouldn't have done it, but the temptation would have been there because the temptation was there when we didn't have the rule. You know, especially like I said I, I played as a freshman. You know, I got I, I lettered, got all the six carries, but some of my other freshmen didn't even get a snap. They didn't. They was redshirted. They redshirted my whole freshman class except for six of us. Uh, but as a freshman, you have your high days, but you have more low days. Especially if you're not the man, you're not starting. You know, you can get down, you get depressed, and you're like, man, did I choose the right school? You know, am I in the right place? And every freshman goes through that. Even if sometimes you might be the man. You may come in and start as a freshman, and everything is a bed of roses. But then coming all season, you, you, <laughs> you're like, <Yeah>. wow. <laughs> Nobody's around. I, I mean, I remember at my freshman year, after the regular season, oh, it, doing winter conditioning was tough. The first couple of days of spring ball, one day, we here it is April, and you know out here in Ohio, in April you can get a rain, cold, rainy day. And I remember after one of the practice my freshman year, we had very physical practice. I was laying in the dorm, one big swollen muscle just hurting, 
and free because it was cold. And I'm laying in my bed. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> do I, I mean, we got practice again tomorrow. <laughs> the forecast might be the same. <sighs> do I? I mean, it was, you know, I had to be honest with myself. Like, yeah, you better quit having this pity party and shake it off. This is what you want. This is what you signed up for. Yeah, man, because I'm playing fullback. I'm not even getting enough carries in practice or tailback. Well, man, the coach, he lied to me. You know, I, you have those moments. It's that mental fatigue. It's, it's part mental of that fatigue. physical fatigue. Yeah, right. this yeah. is my first rodeo through. And other freshmen, you could be, be homesick. You could, you, you're at Ohio State, but you're from Tennessee. Man, I'm going to go home. You're at Ohio State. I'm from Florida. It's too cold. I want to go home. I should have stayed home. I made a bad decision. I mean, so it crosses everybody's mind. But would you do it? No. I mean, for me, I would not have done it because this is the spot I want to be. I, I still remember our running back coach at the time, Wayne Stanley. <laughs> Wayne Stanley would come in the meeting room, and he would just berate us freshmen. You know, I was like, we well, like, but, you know, he was talking up Tim Spencer. He's a starting running back. You know, you freshmen, you, you, you know, blankety-blank freshmen, you guys just don't get it. But it's the best place in the world. If it ain't the best place in the world, you wouldn't be here. Ain't that right? You know, yeah, but I ain't even playing. What is, you know, why, Coach, why are you messing with me? <laughs> you know, it was just mind games. So, um, you know, that's part of, you know, uh, college life. You always go through it. So everybody has their down days. And it, and it would be a, you know, it would be, tempt, be a temptation, but will you act upon it? And I think of my freshman class, uh, if we had transfer rule, I would probably say maybe ten um, percent probably would have transferred at least at least ten percent would have probably transferred, you know, because now I'm just talking about running back. You could have been on some linebackers on our class, some defensive backs, you know, probably said, man, for whatever reason why they probably would have transferred. Even some of the other running backs probably would have transferred, you know, and probably went on to had a probably a pretty decent career at other schools. Mm -hmm. You know, but one of my uh, good friends, John Warridge, he was a, he was my backup at Ohio State. John was a heck of a running back, yeah, out of Akron, Akron Central Howard High School, and you know uh, he was close to going to Penn State and and Syracuse when he came out of high school. You know, those were high on his list. You rewind the clock back, maybe he would have possibly transferred to Penn State, played Paterno or uh, Syracuse after sitting out, you know, as a freshman. You know, he registered his freshman year. He got hurt during training camp. But, you know, John was a heck of a running back at Ohio State. Last thing, I'm going to let you go. Uh, and Keith Byers with us here. We talked early, and again, we're sending you out with this. The We talked earlier about the potential of maybe no college football season coming up. But they are exploring opportunities where they're going to do everything they can to get a college football season. And even if it means not kicking off in August, uh, there's even models that are being laid out right now. I think uh, Stadium just released an article the other day that they had kind of pulled over a 100 different athletic directors uh, from D1 ranks who have Power 5. Yeah, I think I read that. Yeah, and potentially starting the season in January and or maybe even in February and having the, you know, the college football playoffs start in May. Uh, and again, it's just how desperate are you to get a season in? That has to be. The, of course, you really want it in, but is it worth pushing it? Th those drastic measures or those drastic measures, in your opinion, to push a f college football season back to January? That would impact. Well, the draft. I, I had read November, December, then pausing, and then picking it back up in, you know, February, March. Picking it up back then. Yeah, finishing okay. right around this time, early May. So you're still. Remember you're the still, split season. So you're still playing. Some heavy physical games in February, March. You have the draft still then, I guess, in April. 
Uh, college football playoffs. I haven't read that one about the split. Yeah, time. it was like the, the end, of, end of fall. So starting in November, November, December, and then picking it back up in uh, um, late March, April, and then had a playoffs in early May. Why late March? Is that because this is when that virus they, can they come didn't back want, again? That, they didn't want to... March Madness. Okay, so to separate the two. <laughs> to separate the two. So they would start in November and finish in mid-December. I mean, you know, start. And it was all conference games, nine games. Yeah, no, you wouldn't see no. Ohio State-Oregon anymore, you know, which you right. don't need the Ohio so, state Mac game, so who cares about that? But so the Oregon game would be Right, wrong. your nine conference games and then the bowl game, or the, if we was eligible for the, uh, the, the college football championships. So you still get it in, but as a play, I mean, as a player, are you saying, "Hey, I don't care how, just let's get this season in," or are you saying, "Okay, you know what? That's that's too drastic." Yeah, the, everything they said, everything is on the table, but that's a heck of a pause from December to uh, late March. Mm-hmm. <laughs> two months is a long time. That's a long time. I yeah. mean, an NBA offseason is three months. Major League Baseball right. is three months. And then like, you're finishing in the first week of, or two of May, and then you're gonna start back again. And that was my point. In August, <laughs> player safety. <laughs> right. As our Schlemmer always points out, he goes, oh, yeah, they care about player safety. But, they surely do. Uh, but, all right. Well, Keith, thank you so much for hanging out a little bit. Keith Byers, uh, former Buckeye NFL Pro Bowl running back and College Football Hall of Famer. I'm listing off all those things. <laughs> I keep forgetting that, that one. And that one's the most important. Keith, thank you so much thank for hanging you. out. I appreciate it. That's your locally owned Cub Cadet dealer, East Lawn and Garden, with innovative zero-turn mowers, lawn tractors, utility vehicles, and professional products. Every Cub Cadet machine is engineered with you in mind to deliver incredible strength, durability, and comfort. And only your local dealer stocks genuine parts, accessories, and trained service technicians to keep your equipment running at peak performance for years to come. Commercial products are intended for professional use. Visit East Lawn and Garden, 1632 East Route 36 in Urbana, your local Cub Cadet dealer. Our support local business thousand dollar a day giveaway keyword for the four o'clock hour. Your local business keyword is Serta Pro Painters. That's technically three words, but you see my point. Go support uh, Serta Pro Painters. Enter the keyword Serta Pro Painters at wingam.com. Click on the support local business thousand dollar a day giveaway cash contest. Enter the keyword Serta Pro Painters. Good luck. Justin Kinner Show live here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. So the NFL All-Decade team was released. We'll get to that at the top of the 5 o'clock hour, plus ESPN. There's a lot going on right now, and more than ever, people need their tax refund. H&R Block has many ways to do your taxes as safely as possible. Work with the tax pro remotely, drop off, or file online. Block is always here to help. Now, back to the Justin Kinner Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. Let's try this again. It's the Justin Kinner Show live here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. Hey, you want to co-host a segment of the Justin and Kinner Show? All you got to do is head to wingam.com, click on the register to co-host a segment on the Justin Kinner Show. I think this is pretty cool. We're going to give you a shot to be a co-host for the day uh, every Wednesday. $1,000 day giveaway cash contest. Enter the, enter the keyword, even though it's more than one word. But again, we're trying to get as many of our local businesses involved as we can. Certa Pro Painters, that's Serta with a C, C-E-R-T-A, 
P-R-O-P-A-I-N-T-E-R-S. Serta Pro Painters. Enter Serta Pro Painters uh, in the, again, support local business $1,000 a day cash contest. And you could do that at wingam.com. Imagine if you win that $1,000, all the local businesses you can help support here in the Miami Valley. So make sure you take advantage of that um, as we are trying to give back to you here uh, during these tough times. All right. It's the Justin Kinner Show. I'm excited. I mean, hour three coming up. Uh, you know, we've touched on a ton. I haven't had to repeat anything. That's pretty cool, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, right now there's so many different things going on, so many different topics. And uh, we have ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. He will join us just under an hour from now. Uh, we'll talk with him. Right now we're doing a trip around the AFC North. We'll touch on, uh, we'll touch base with different AFC North riders throughout the week. We'll talk about the Steelers more today with Jeremy Fowler as well as the division as a whole. Um, but I'm interested. What is the optimism like for the Pittsburgh Steelers heading into 2020? You get Big Ben back. You don't have Le'Veon Bell. You're two years removed from him. You're you know, just over a year removed from, of course, Antonio Brown and the fiasco that was the fallout to that mess. Of course, him going uh, to the Raiders. That marriage was short-lived. Then he goes to the Patriots. That marriage was short-lived. Uh, and right now, looking to get back into the NFL, we'll talk about what is the likelihood that that happens, and is there any chance that the Steelers and Antonio Brown meet up down the road? Uh, we'll talk about that with Jeremy Fowler coming up in Hour 2, or in Hour 3. Hour 3, we'll also tip things off here uh, with the NFL All-Decade team. A couple Cincinnati, there's a Cincinnati Bengal that made it, as well as a Cleveland Brown. We'll talk about that. Plus, who are some of the snubs from the NFL All-Decade team? We'll get to that coming up. But I want to touch on this lightly, uh, and we'll close it out on the other side of this as well. But keep in mind, I know that it was very unfortunate how the NCAA tournament was canceled. I know that. I'm very well aware of that. But what we cannot do is come up with these crazy scenarios and fall into this trap of, well, the league, the, the, the NCAA owes us something, being the Dayton Flyers or being any team that was robbed of an NCAA tournament appearance. Keep in mind, I don't think there are Duke fans losing sleep. Like, I promise you, sports radio anywhere near Duke or North Carolina or Kentucky, like, I don't think that they're devastated for missing out on the NCAA tournament. I, I really don't believe so. I, you know what I mean? Like, Duke doesn't care. There's a reason uh, Duke and Kansas, in fact, if you remember right before the NCAA tournament, right before they pulled the plug on it, I don't know if you remember this or not, but Duke and Kansas came out right away and said that they were suspending all athletic activity uh, for the next month. Like, they were not even going, if there was an NCAA tournament, I'm not saying they would have 100% have not been involved, but I did find it kind of odd that Duke in Kansas came out right away and said they would not be participating in any athletics moving forward during this time. And that was before the plug was pulled on the NCAA tournament. Folks, they don't care. Like, they care. They want to win national championships, but this is nothing new to them. Okay, they get to the dance every year. As I've said, Duke and I would say Kansas, but I think that there might be some, you know, I think that their activity off the floor is going to catch up with them eventually. Uh, but I do, I do believe that Duke, as long as Coach K is there, that Duke's ticket to the big dance has been punched for the next 10 years. Like at least five, that you know, a realistic number that we could still see Coach K being there. It's no big deal to Duke for missing this year's tournament. Like, they're not losing sleep over it. It's devastating this area. People are still not over it. I'm still hearing all these crazy ideas of ways that the NCAA can make it up to programs next season when next season the rosters won't even be remotely close to being the same. There is going to be no, you know, there there will not be, obviously you're not going to have Landers, you're not going to have Mike Still. there's going to be no Obi Toppin. Crutcher's kind of up in the air a little bit. I still think he'll be back. But it's not the same team next year. So these ideas of ways that they can almost like guarantee them a trip to the tournament next year without having to do anything, I read that today. I was like, are you kidding? 
that some of those teams should be guaranteed a spot in the tournament next year? Are you kidding me? Like, folks, we got to stop doing this. This like we're we got to stop being the victim here. Like UD was not the only, and again, I don't think it's you, the fans, and it's not even that many of you. It's just some of these ideas that I keep coming across that people are pitching. I'm like, you got to be kidding. But the idea that is most concerning to me did not come from a fan. It did not come from a fan that lives in a world of, oh, the league owes me something. It came from a, a head coach, a very established head coach, a very respected head coach, a coach that is actually one of my all-time favorite coaches in college basketball. This particular college basketball coach has pitched the idea of the NCAA tournament tipping off next season, tipping off next season with the teams with the same bracket based on last year's team's success. And he also believes that the seniors should be allowed to come back and play in that NCAA tournament. They should have the choice to stop. Really? That's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. That's a bad idea. That's a horrible idea. I'll tell you who that coach is next. Don't go anywhere. More of the Justin Kinner Show. Hour 3 coming up. Justin Kinner Show, live here on ESPN Dayton. and rolling. It's the Justin Kenner Show live here on Dayton's ESPN Radio Station, 1410 Wing AM. A lot of contests going on right now at wingam.com. Make sure you check it out. A lot of really cool opportunities including our local support local business cash contest, $1,000 a day giveaway every hour from 6 a.m. until 11 p.m. We'll give out a local uh, local business keyword. You'll enter that local business keyword at wingam.com. You'll click on the support local business cash contest tab. Enter that keyword. You could enter more than once. You could enter every Every hour, the more you register, the more you increase your chances of getting of winning the thousand dollars. Again, we're giving away a thousand dollars a day. It's our support local business thousand dollar day giveaway each hour. Every keyword will be a local business here in the Miami Valley, uh, and we want to give back. And again, if you win that money, think of other local businesses that you can help support here in the Dayton area. All right, it's been a fun two hours. We got a fun hour coming up for you here as we close out the show. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler will join us coming up here in about forty minutes. We'll talk a little. We'll talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers in the AFC North. We'll also talk about what I opened up with earlier in the show about the Cleveland Browns and their quarterback situation. You would have to think, like, and I'm, I'm being serious here. I'm all in on Baker Mayfield. I don't get the vibe. I'm not getting the vibe that the Browns are all in on Baker Mayfield. I'm getting the vibe that they are doing a lot of things outside of what they really need to set themselves up for when Baker flops, and he may. I don't think he will. A lot of people believe he will. Some of them are just haters. Others behind the scenes clearly aren't going all in on Baker Mayfield because I'm sorry, but when you're talking with Jalen Hurts and you're going out and signing you know, big con- big cash contracts to, to a guy like Case Keenum for three years, I threw this out there earlier, and I'm curious, folks. I don't think anyone's thought of it like this, and I didn't think of it till earlier today. Have you ever heard of a, a backup quarterback signing on to be a backup quarterback for three years? Do you really think that Case Keenum came to Cleveland? I don't like it, and I don't buy it. It doesn't make sense. Case Keenum would not go get married in a backup role for three years if he didn't feel he could be a starter. He feels, based on conversations behind the scenes, in my opinion, that he could be a starter in the next year or two. Then you have the Browns on top of that compounding that you're going and talking with, Jar- or you're going out and talking with Jalen Hurts. Why? You have all these issues that you need to address on the defensive side. That's why you're trying to overspend to go get a Jadavion Clowney. You need linebackers. 
You uploaded the offense to look like a top five offense in the league, at least on paper, but you don't have the defense to match it. You need help over there. Why, after all the help that you gave Baker on offense, are you still talking to quarterbacks like a Jalen Hurts? That doesn't make any damn sense to me. So, clearly, they are not satisfied with who they have as their quarterback right now. If they did, they would not have done a three-year deal with Case Keenum. They would not have been talking to Jalen Hurts. They would be focused on, hey, let's get this defense revved up because we have our guy in Baker Mayfield and we're ready to go. And I do not get that vibe. Someone said, well, if they didn't believe that Baker was their guy, why would they load up those pieces on offense? Why would you not? Even if you have a bad quarterback as your starter, you should still give that bad quarterback as many weapons to work with as possible to help elevate him. I don't believe that bad receivers and bad, or I don't believe that great receivers and great weapons on offense hurt a bad quarterback. It could only help him. So, to me, I don't think they did that for Baker Mayfield. They just did that to do that no matter who the quarterback is. If it's Case Keenum, Case Keenum has a hell of an offense around him. If it's Jalen Hurts, God forbid, it better not be, he at least would have a great offense around him. If it's Baker Mayfield, he has a great offense around him. I can't believe I'm even thinking this way because I'm, I'm, I'm all in on Baker Mayfield, but I'm not all in on the way management is making decisions around Baker. It doesn't sit well with me. I don't like it. Four five seven nine four six four. Uh, I'll take your calls on that as well as reaction on social media, Twitter at fourteen ten Kinner K I N N E R. Uh, but that's something to think about uh, throughout. But get, help me out, folks. I, I'm on, I'm being serious. I cannot think of a, a backup quarterback. I cannot think of a quarterback that has signed with the team to be their backup for three years. Chase Daniels doesn't count. He is a career backup quarterback. That's been his role from the beginning. I'm talking about a a guy like a Case Keenum who has had success as a starter, who wants to be a starter. No one says that they want to be a backup. Who who says that? And if they do, if that's his mindset, then to me, he's not that competitive of a person, and I don't want him on my team anyways. I want guys that want to start, that want to come in and compete for jobs, not come in and just be the backup. I'm over that. All right, 457, and someone said Nick Foles earlier. Nick Foles came in to be a backup for one year. Nick Foles wasn't trying to marry the Eagles to be Carson Wentz's backup for three years. Why would Case Keenum sign up to do that? That's weird to me. Four five seven nine four six four. Okay, switching gears here. So college basketball, as I mentioned earlier, Bob Huggins is one of my all-time favorite college basketball coaches. I love fiery, passionate coaches like him. I was a Bob Knight will always be my all-time favorite basketball coach. I know he's kind of he did some shady things. I get that. I'm not going to act like I, I'm not aware of what the you know some of the ethics issues that he has had you know during his coaching career. But again, I don't think there's a lot of good human beings as coaches out there. Uh, Anthony Grant would be one of the few that I would say is as good of a human being as he is a coach. Like, you know what I mean? I don't think that being a good human being and being a good coach always goes hand in hand. I think here locally, uh, we are very fortunate. I think Anthony Grant, as great as a basketball coach as he is, he is that good of a human being. And I'll say the same thing about Coach Scott Nagy at Wright State. There's very few people that are better human beings than Coach Nagy, as well as being a great basketball coach. We're lucky in this area to have that. So, I don't care about all the behind-the-scenes stuff with some of the coaches I talk about, like Huggins and Knight and others. That's for – I don't care about that. But I love Huggins. But his mindset right now, I don't understand and I do not get it. As I mentioned earlier in the 4 o'clock hour, I understand a lot of people are upset that the NCAA tournament was yanked out from underneath you. I get that you did not get to experience watching your flyers in the NCAA tournament and that that crushes you. I understand it. But what we cannot do is do this as have this mindset that the NCAA owes us something as a fan base. The NCAA doesn't owe us anything. The NCAA didn't want to take the tournament away from you. The NCAA didn't even do this to you. 
The NCAA, this hurt the... I promise you this much, folks. These are those greedy SOBs in the world. The NCAA being taking away the NCAA tournament, that hurt them way more than it's ever going to hurt you, and you're pretty hurt by it, okay? So if you if you think you're hurt, imagine how they're hurting, because they're hurting in a way that is, you know, from a much bigger picture, okay? It sucks that we all didn't get to see our teams in the NCAA tournament. I completely get it. But we cannot do this thing where we expect them to owe us something. As if I've heard some crazy ideas about tournaments being held that based on the seeding from last year and that Obi Toppin and the seniors should be allowed to come back and at least play in that tournament. And then the, the roster will turn over to the regular season, uh, night, you know, 2020-2021 season. That's ridiculous. Now, I've heard some fans pitch that, and I thought that was ridiculous, but I'm like, okay, those, those are fans, those are fanatics, that's what you get, whatever it is, what it is. But then when you hear a very respected head coach like Bob Huggins pitch that same idea, now I'm a little concerned. I'm a little confused. Bob Huggins did an interview in Pittsburgh on a sports radio station in Pittsburgh, and this was his mindset about the NCAA tournament uh, being pulled from last year and how they can make it up to teams, players, and fans for this coming up year. Bob Huggins says, let's face it, there's a great chance we're not going to have college football, which I don't know what that has to do with this anyways, but putting that many people together is going to be rough. I wouldn't want to make that decision. So why don't we start the season off with the NCAA tournament? Now he's talking about college basketball. Starting the season off with the NCAA tournament, the NCAA can get its money and distribute it to the schools. It solves a lot of problems. They know who was in and who was going to play who. That I disagree with. How? We only had maybe th- we had maybe just a handful of conference uh, tournaments completed. The A-10 was about to get underway. The ACC, we were a couple games into that. The SCC, everything. There was no, I mean, trust me, we, they didn't, the NCAA tournament did not know. We didn't know who, uh, I mean, the, there was bubble teams that still needed to, to figure out. I mean, look, keep in mind, like UD, we... They weren't a guaranteed one seed. They needed to win the A-10 tournament to be a one seed. They weren't guaranteed anything. So, no, I disagree with Bob Huggins that the NCAA tournament, you know, that the NCAA, you know, when it comes to putting the bracket together, they did not know who was going to be seated where and who was going to play who. He goes on to, Bob Huggins goes on to say that they know where we were going to play. What's it going to take? Three weekends? Big deal. Really? Kids aren't going to miss class that much. They're going to basically play on the weekends. It would affect the low majors and mid-majors. I think, to a degree, generally speaking, their NCAA representatives is their conference tournament winner. Heck, let them have their own tournament. Let them play in their conference. What the hell is going on? Well, I mean, what's going on? And then he's, you know, Bob Huggins is then asked about what about what about seniors on last season's team? This is where it gets even crazier. Bob Huggins actually spits this out. A well-respected college basketball coach like Bob Huggins, Bob Huggins, who I love, don't get me wrong, actually uttered these words. He was asked about, okay, this idea of having the NCAA tournament to start the season based on last year's results. And then asked about last year's seniors who are no longer active NCAA, you know, NCAA players or student-athletes. He goes on to say, let them come back and play. <laughs> what? Let them come back and play, Huggins said. Why can't you make it their choice? We had three seniors. I guarantee you all three would want to play, and it would fill a void that was left when they couldn't play. I don't see what that would hurt to let those guys play. This whole thing is foolish and asinine. Why? I can't even believe he, he can't be taking this serious. Even you as Flyers fans who would do anything to get that NCAA tournament experience that was, that was taken from you this month, I don't even think... 90% of you would be that foolish to think that that's a good idea, right? There is no way. 
Bob Huggins actually pitching that the NCAA should do the NCAA tournament to tip off the 2020-2021 season based on last year's results. So the Dayton Flyers with no Obi Toppin, no uh, Trey Landers, no Mike Sell. And let's just, I mean, we're good. they're going to have Crutcher, but right now, as of right the second, no, no Crutcher. So the main core of that whole entire dominant number three team in the country last year won't be there, but you want them to be a one or a two seed because it's supposed to be a pity party because they didn't get to do it last year, and those seniors are should be able to come back and play this year. That doesn't make sense. That's foolish. And that's coming from Bob Huggins, one of the most respected coaches in college basketball. That actually came out of his mouth. He actually thought that was a good idea. It's not a good idea. That's a horrible idea. We got to let go. You can still feel the pain. We'll always be doing the what-if game when it comes to the Dayton Flyers in the 2020 NCAA tournament. I get it. But there is not a solution out there that makes sense in regards to, oh, the Flyers, they're going to definitely, you know, they're, they're, they're going to get a chance to, you know, it'll be made up to them. They're going to get to play in this preseason NCAA tournament based on last year's results, and Obi Toppin would be allowed to come back and play for although he'll be already drafted by the NBA, but it'll be up to him. And I'm sure that the NBA team, whatever it is, let's say Golden State, is going to love Obi Toppin going to play back in this thing. Stop it. Stop. It's not going to happen. That's dumb. And maybe he was just screwing with him. I don't know, but that's foolish. We'll get your thoughts next. Yeah, that return's really dumb. I don't know who made that one, but I don't like that one. Anyways, uh, but I'm not in my garage. Say what the hell you planned that one for. <laughs> we welcome you back. It's the Justin Kinner Show live here on 1410 ESPN Radio, and I'm in my kitchen, not the garage, so there's that. Anyways, okay, Um, what do we got here? We're going to have ESPN's Jeremy Fowler up momentarily. We'll talk a little AFC North uh, and some other top NFL headlines. Speaking of the NFL today, the NFL uh, All-Decade team for the 2010s, and I was always interested how they were going to call, like, you know, when you got into the 2000s. It was easy to say the 2000s, but then when you got to 2010, so, I mean, the 2010s, it just sounds weird like we're you know, back and say oh the 30s the 40s the 50s now we got to say that the 2030s the 2010s the two that like it sounds weird but regardless our 2010 all-decade team was announced today uh nfl network put that out and you know i don't know it, it these types of things are always good for this this type of thing a conversation you know everyone gets all outraged about uh the results of this um i don't know how outraged i am but i do know that i I don't know about Aaron Rodgers being okay. Here, I guess I could just go through this, and then we'll kind of go from there. Four five seven nine four six four. For those of you who have seen uh, the twenty ten uh, two thousand ten All Decade Team, great. If not, I'm going through it now, and we'll have to get to Jeremy Fowler coming up here at two uh, five forty. So the quarterbacks for the twenty uh, two thousand ten All Decade Team: Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady, duh, that's a no brainer. But Aaron Rodgers, I don't. I, I, I get why his name would be in the conversation, but I would take Drew Brees over Aaron Rodgers any day. And I'm not going to lie, why are we not talking about Peyton Manning? Like, if I'm picking the 2010 All-Decade team, I mean, I guess Peyton Manning. It was three years ago? Three years ago? Um, He retired after the 2015 season. Oh, crap. That so. was longer than I thought. Okay. Yeah. Well, some of these guys... I think he I went mean, to Denver in 2011, so... And, it was, I, and I guess that kind of makes sense. It's not like Denver ever got the... They didn't get the the Colts Peyton Manning. They got him for maybe one year when he won MVP, I think, in 2012 or something. So it's not like they got the highest. But he won an MVP. Mm -hmm. So He had 55 touchdowns, I want to say. Yeah, I would still take Peyton over Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he won a Super Bowl on top of an MVP. Aaron Rodgers, I, I still think... 
is one of the most. I don't think yeah. he's overrated from an individual talent standpoint, but I don't think that what he has accomplished is greater than any of the other quarterbacks in the league. I'll take Drew Brees' accomplishments yeah. over his any day. Absolutely. I'll take Peyton Manning's over his any day. Uh, I'm not. I mean, right now you look at Patrick Mahomes and what he's accomplished in a short period of time. I think has done the equivalent, if not more, than Aaron Rodgers already in a short amount of time. Like, there's other better quarterbacks coming up quicker, accomplishing more in shorter periods of time. Aaron Rodgers, super talented. I'm not an Aaron Rodgers guy. That I'm not okay with. Aaron Rodgers being there, to I have be honest. No, I have nothing against Aaron Rodgers personally, um, but I totally agree with you. It felt, when I first saw the list, it almost felt disrespectful to Drew Brees that he wasn't on that list. Um, and I think if you have to pick two quarterbacks from the 2010s, uh, Brady and Brees were the first two that popped in my head, and I'm wondering why that wasn't the same for the committee that put that list together. So uh, that's interesting there. As far as wide receivers go, Antonio Brown, Train wreck Antonio Brown, Larry Fitzgerald, I love Larry Fitzgerald, Calvin Johnson. When did he retire? What year was that? 2013, 2014. So that's what I'm saying is so Peyton Manning can't get all decade quarterback because he only played five I mean he played he played five years that featured a Super Bowl and an MVP in that five year period. But you're going to feature three years of, of Calvin Johnson? I can't put Calvin Johnson yeah, there. He retired in 2016, my bad. So I guess Wait, Johnson years. retired that? Yeah, I thought he, he's been long he was, gone. He was drafted in 2007 and retired shortly after his 30th birthday in Okay, never mind. And I'm not arguing his talent, He's one of the, the best, receivers, of the best time, receivers ever. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying, I thought... I felt like we've been without him a lot longer. It's felt than longer, yeah. That's I thought he retired early 2010s. That's why. That's why I agree. When you said 2013, I, I thought that sounded right. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, Julio Jones. I'm fine with all those. Anyone? I mean, can you argue which of those? Like, I mean, looking at Julio Jones, has he been better this past decade than AJ Green? Probably, just because the last two or three years, I think it's what separated them with Julio being the more consistent guy who's always on the field, always getting a 1,000 yards. And A.J. did that for the first seven years of his career, but the last two or three, he's barely been able to stay on the field. And as much as I love A.J. Green, I mean, I think Julio, at this point in his career, has the better resume and I think is the more deserving player to be on that list. Ron messaging Russell Wilson. My only thing with Russell Wilson... I can't put Wilson over Brady or Breeze as much as I like him. I'm definitely not putting Russell Wilson over Drew Breeze. I think that it was Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers with Drew Breeze, Peyton Manning up next. Russell Wilson is... very Not very similar to Aaron Rodgers, but my argument about him is similar to Aaron Rodgers. Of Okay, you have your Super Bowl, but you also... You're talented, but you're... You went out and got your max dollar, and ever since then, your team hasn't been able to win with you, win a Super Bowl with you. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, every year, they win a lot of regular season games. Russell Wilson, they win a lot of regular season games, but they can't get it done in the playoffs because, right. uh, like I said, we've never had a quarterback win a Super Bowl that was top five in payroll mm-hmm. as, as far as the highest. You've never had a quarterback that was one of the top five highest paid quarterbacks that season win a Super Bowl. There's a reason. There's a reason for that. And... Russell Wilson, he is not talented enough to win you a Super Bowl with limited weapons around you. Uh, I do believe that you are going, uh, you know, I, I think Aaron Rodgers is capable of winning a Super Bowl with limited roles around him, but he has to have just the right defense, but it's hard to put the right defense around you when all the money's put in your quarterback. Right. Now, they had a good defense last year, so they're in, you know, they should be in good shape to uh, at least contend, but they haven't been able to get it done. Same thing with the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. That's my frustration there. Uh, tight ends, Rob Gronkowski and Travis Kelsey. No arguments there. Yeah, I'm cool with um, it. Th- those ones are fine. Uh, j- as far as tackles, again, I'm not going to get into a big argument about tackles, but Joe Thomas is on the list, which is pretty cool. 
Deserving. Uh, well deserving. Yeah, Joe Staley, Tyron Smith, and, and Jason Peters for as far as tackles are concerned. Guards, uh, I mean, Mankins, uh, Zach Martin, uh, Yonda, those guys like that. The centers, Alex Mack and Marquise Pouncey. You know, whatever. I'm not, I don't really get all fired up about offensive line. It's a lot of guys with a lot of Pro Bowls. I'm not going to argue. Now, running backs. Um, this has been a weird decade because this decade had two cycles. This decade was responsible for telling you that running backs don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And then it also came swinging right back trying to convince you that they meant something. And then now they're trying to tell you they don't mean anything. I think it's not that they're trying to tell you they don't mean anything. It, they're trying to say that you don't need to draft a running back in the first round. We right. went, what, three years in a row without a running back being taken in the first round. And then Zeke came along. Zeke and, then and then Zeke Fournette. and Fournette. Well, Fournette and then Zeke. Right. Yeah, was Zeke and Gurley in the same draft? I believe so. Zeke was when number four, or whatever. Gurley was like ten. Yeah. So bottom line, then all of a sudden, after you know years and years of no running backs being taken in the first round, because oh, you can get running backs anywhere. You can get them right. late in the draft. You can get them in free agency. Uh, and then now we're back to that because now we watched leagues go all out to pay Zeke and to pay Gurley. Gurley just got released a year after getting that big contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zeke got paid his big dollar and he ended up you know taking a step back last year. He was not one of the top backs in the league, and it's be- and th- it's his fault because they had an offensive line, so right. it's not that f- their fault. Uh, I have no issue with that as far as running backs are concerned. Adrian Peterson, absolutely. No, no doubt. No Best qu- running back in the last 10 years, no yeah. doubt. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, okay. Marshawn Lynch, Frank Gore. That's Frank Gore, by the way, is one of the most underrated running backs ever. You look yeah. at where he is on the all-time rushing record list. All the stats are top five all time. Um, but Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson. But Marshawn Lynch, okay. He talked himself. You know, he's a good back on some Super Bowl teams. I get it. Yeah. LaShawn McCoy, okay. Uh, and then Darren Sproles is the flex. Uh, that's the all-decade team as far as offense is concerned. Um Defense, J.J. Uh, Watt, as far as defensive ends, Aaron Donald, defensive tackles, inside linebacker, you had Patrick Willis, Bobby Wagner, Luke Keekley. Outside linebackers, you know, Von Miller, Khalil Mack, Chandler Jones. Corner. Yeah. This is, I mean, you have cornerback safeties and defensive backs. That's way too much. You have nine. Right. You only need four. Yeah. You only need, you need two, two and corners two. And two corners safety, and, yeah. and, you know. One free. And I don't know strong. why they have that many. Um you know Patrick Peterson, Darrell Revis, Richard Sherman. Uh, D- Darrell Revis, I don't know how he wasn't the unanimous selection as well as Richard Sherman. As much as I can't stand uh, Richard Sherman, I think Darrell Revis and Richard Sherman should be unanimous ones. Safeties: Eric Berry, Earl Thomas, Eric Weddle. Again, yeah, not bad. No, and I think I mean as good as Revis was the first five years of the 2010s. That kind of that wall he hit where he just kind of fell off instantly probably was the reason why he wasn't a unanimous selection, but. Like you said, the, that first half of the decade, I mean, there's a reason, reason why he was nicknamed Revis Island. There was hardly anyone that could even catch a pass when they were covered by him. And for all Bengals fans wondering, uh, I did get this earlier today, Geno Atkins did make the all-decade team. They were uh, doing that argument earlier today. If on it, uh, Does this honor uh, mean Geno is going to be the second Bengal ever to be inducted into the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I mean, that argument definitely is going to be there and. The lack of Bengal representation is, just, but then the longer you go, you can't put a current Bengal in the Hall of Fame when you have so many great Bengals from the past that aren't in. Like, how do right. you do that? Like, that's why that stuff's starting to get backlogged a little bit. I think it's going to be a while before you see a, lo- uh, a recent Bengal get in. I'd be surprised if he got in before some of the the past greats. Yeah, and uh, two or three years ago, it felt like AJ was a lock, but at this point, you don't really know. I mean, AJ's got to have two or three more solid years to be considered a Hall of Fame caliber wide receiver. 
All right, four five seven nine four six four. If you want to get in on the conversation, as far as the uh, the the 2010 All Decade Team coaches are concerned, Bill Belichick, no surprise there. Here's where I have an issue: Pete Carroll. Um, that I, I don't. I mean, he did take his team to back-to-back Super Bowls in the playoffs every year. I, I don't mind Pete Carroll, but I, I guess for me to have an issue with Pete Carroll, I would have to have a. Mike Tomlin, but then again, you haven't won a Super Bowl in the last decade. Yeah, Sean Payton doesn't have a Super Bowl. I'm fine with Sean Payton. Sean Payton won a Super Bowl. Not this decade, though. 2010, so I guess it was the first year of the decade. And by the way, is it 2010 to 2019? I'd assume that's how it is. Or is is it 2010 to 2020? I'd assume it's 10 to to 19, because if they're starting, I mean, you'd have to consider the 2020 season if you were going to wait until the end of 2020. Yeah, because I'm a big fan. I mean, you know, uh, Andy Reid, if... Andy Reid would have won the Super Bowl one. a year ago. I would have argued for him then. But if 2020 is the start to this, ne- which that is, as I'm saying it, that makes sense now. 2020 is the start to the next decade. So, you know, if they go on to win a few more, if we're talking about the 2020s, Andy Reid would have to be in that conversation, even based on success from that previous yeah. year. I totally, um, based on Andy Reid. I mean, what he did to make Alex Smith as quality of as an option as he was, and obviously what he's done with Patrick Mahomes in that offense. So. Andy Reid, even though he just won that Super Bowl, you know, four or five months ago, I mean, just as deserving as Peyton or Tomlin at this point, in my opinion. Uh, Pete Carroll, not a, I don't have an issue with that. No. That, that's an interest. I don't know who else you would put in there. I, I, I mean, I think two, three, four, five, the guys we just mentioned were Peyton, Tomlin, Carroll, and even Andy Reid are really just such a debate with each other where, honestly, after Belichick, I mean, two through six on head coaches in the NFL over the last five or six years are... I mean, those six guys right there have really been the staple of NFL coaching, and I think you could argue any one of those other four or five guys to get that other spot. All right, you're listening to the Justin Kinner Show live here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Coming up, we'll be joined by ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. We'll talk a little AFC North uh, with Jeremy Fowler. We'll talk a little bit about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Why are Steelers fans so optimistic about a team that does not have a roster that looks as good as the, the Cleveland Browns? I think there's going to be better-looking names on the Bengals roster, even though I don't, I'm not going to pick the Bengals over the Steelers. But when you look at the excitement level that the Bengals are starting to pick up with with momentum, you're going to get Joe Burrow. Uh, you're, hopefully you have a healthy A.J. Green. We've talked about all the offensive pieces. Hopefully Jonah Williams is the real deal. I saw a video of him over the weekend literally physically just manhandling, pushing a big-ass truck. Okay, This dude is a truck himself. Um, he could be, definitely be a difference maker on that line. So we'll see. Uh, but we'll talk about the AFC North with Jeremy Fowler coming up around the corner. Keep in mind, every Friday night, 7 o'clock, Reds Classics. Uh, every Friday at 7, we will air. And you could also stream it, which is pretty cool. We can't stream regular season games, but during this stretch right now, during Reds Classics every Friday at 7 o'clock, we will bring to you um, a classic Reds broadcast. Uh, and some of these have been recent. Uh, this past weekend, we got to listen to Aristides Aquino's three-home run game against the Cubs. This Friday night, you'll get to hear one of Homer Bailey's no-hitters. So this that will be this Friday night's uh, Reds Classics this Friday night. I'm looking forward to that one. Um, and again, it's the Cincinnati Reds uh, Classic Game of the Week. It'll be Homer Bailey's uh, 2012 no-hitter against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Pirates at PNC Park, uh, and we're looking forward to airing that coming up this Friday. We will also have Buckeye football for you this Saturday. Uh, Ohio State against Florida Atlantic, week one's matchup from last year. You'll be able to hear Reds Classics on Friday night at 7 and Buckeye Classics Saturday at noon. That's all coming up beginning this weekend. All right, we'll step away for a few moments during this commercial break. Be listening for your support local business, $1,000 a day cash keyword, uh, cash giveaway keyword, so make sure you're taking advantage of that. When you hear the local 
business keyword, enter it at wingam.com, uh, and for your chance to win $1,000. If you win that $1,000, think of other local businesses here you can help support. So make sure you're taking advantage of this. We are giving away $1,000 a day. It's the least Famous Recipe Chicken. Support local business. $1,000 a day giveaway. Be listening for that during the break. We'll be back in a moment with Jeremy Fowler. Don't go anywhere. It's time to enter the support local business $1,000 a day giveaway keyword. Head to wingam.com. Enter the keyword Milano's. Milano's is our local business keyword here for the 5 o'clock hour. It's our support local business $1,000 a day giveaway. Think of all the local businesses you can help support here locally if you are one of our lucky daily local winners here. $1,000 a day we're giving away. It's our support local business $1,000 a day cash giveaway right here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Good. Justin Kidder Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. It's the Justin Kidder Show live here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM, and streaming live at wingam.com. If you missed the Keith Byers show from earlier today, don't worry. You can, again, access that at wingam.com. Make sure you're subscribing and downloading to the Keith Byers Show podcast Presented by Lee's Famous Recipe Chicken. Take advantage of that. In fact, the AFC North is quite the division to cover, if you, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, all four teams, you feel like, have gotten better. You know, the Steelers uh, spent six years trying to get this defense right uh, after years of just kind of subpar play there. And then now uh, they have it all set up, and they just need a quarterback to put it all together. And, uh, you know, the Ravens got better this offseason, the defensive line particularly. Um, Cincinnati spent what, $150 million mostly on their defense and free agency. So, um, you know, the, the Browns and the Bengals both, uh, even if they're three and four in the division right now in the pecking order, uh, all have a chance to be very competitive. Now, the Steelers, obviously, they're just one of the, the it's one of the best run organizations in all of football. And with that being said, their roster may not look the sexiest or have some of the bigger names on it, but they are the most well-constructed roster. I mean, for those who are kind of overlooking the Steelers because of everything else going on, especially with Lamar Jackson and Baltimore winning the division the last two years, how much, I mean, we know Big Ben and how much of a difference maker he is, but just how much of a difference maker is he in 2020 when he comes back to the Steelers this season? Yeah, I mean, as long as, as he continues to stay on the right track, uh, the Steelers have been happy with his progress. They believe he's going to be healthy. Uh, he's told them that he feels healthy. Um, you know, really the key is can he throw his velocity and spin on the ball, uh, and that will be the last sort of stage probably sometime late spring, early summer, where he'll start to really turn it up. And, uh, you know, assuming he can do that, then the Steelers don't feel the need to, to, to do anything else at quarterback. But they have their guy for the next two years. He's under contract for two more years. Um, there are a lot of rumors about Jameis Winston and the Steelers. I just don't really see that happening based on what I've heard about Ben. And you know, they still like Mason Rudolph as the backup. They don't typically spend a lot of money on the backup quarterback position anyways. So, uh, yeah, I think it's all systems go there. I'm glad you bring up a backup quarterback. It's one thing I talked about earlier in the show when it came to the Cleveland Browns. It didn't really click to me at the beginning when it came out that they had signed Case Keenum to a three-year, $18 million deal. But then I thought about it. Case Keenum, I mean, it's being presented to people as he's the backup and, you know, Baker's their starter. But, Jeremy, I can't think of a scenario where a guy like Case Keenum, who has had a lot of success as a starter, why would he marry a team for three years as the backup? I mean, is there is there messaging to him behind the scenes that, hey, we maybe we are not as convinced that Baker is our guy moving forward, and he could be a potential replacement if things go south with Baker? I 
don't think so. I think it was more about just securing a good contract, you know, six, average of six years, or excuse me, average of six million a year for three years. Uh, it's pretty steady for backup quarterback money. I mean, he's got a relationship with Kevin Stefanski from Minnesota. They won games together uh, a couple of years ago going to the AFC or the NFC Championship game. And so there's comfort there. Uh, I think the Browns feel good if he has to play games for them that he can win. And, you know, Case has been around where he started in Denver, he started in Washington. Both scenarios didn't work out. So, you know, he's, he might not get another crack at being a starter uh, unless he goes to the right place that can fill in and win some games. And so Cleveland was that for him. I don't think it's any sort of indictment on Baker at all. I just think that uh, it's the best backup plan they feel like they can have right now uh, where if, if Baker does struggle for 8 to 10 games, and they know Case can win for them. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler with us here on the Justin Kenner Show. Uh, another thing, too, over the weekend uh, that you reported on, that the, the Cleveland Browns were close to a deal with Jadavion Clowney. Of course, it kind of fell through late. Clowney asking for a lot, and I think that's kind of what has allowed him to still be available at this point in free agency. Uh, and from what you know, what led to, to the conversations dropping between the Browns and Clowney, and is there a chance that they can resume those talks? Well, there's always a chance. I think they left the door open. But, you know, uh, early last week and even the day before, you know, when they were signing Adrian Claiborne, uh, who's sort of a a flex number three pass rush option, they were still looking at upgrading there. And, and I'm told they had pretty productive talks with Clowney. Nothing got done, obviously. But, um, you know, they, they felt that they were in the mix there. And, and uh, I, I think it's going to be Olivier Vernon or Jadavion Clowney at this point, unless they find somebody in the draft. Vernon obviously still on the roster. He can still play. He's got the $15.5 million cap hit. So they could, if they decide on Clowney, they could essentially switch that out. Um, but, the, you know, they, I know the Browns have been looking for value. And when it comes to value, I don't know if they're willing to get up $16, $17 million a year for Clowney. I think they were pushing hard to maybe get it at their number. And if they can't have it, they might not move on it. News that came out just a little bit ago earlier this afternoon that Antonio Brown uh, now with an agent and uh, I mean you've been following this case closely obviously you know with the Steelers the fallout between Antonio Brown and the Steelers at this point uh, what's the likelihood that he gets back into the league and if he does get back into the league what's the likelihood that he would be eligible to play right away the NFL still hasn't even been able to hand down a suspension or any kind of punishment for his uh, off the field stuff um, as he has not been an active player. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's complicated because you have to clear hurdles just to get to the point where you can be suspended, you know. Like, he's, um, he still has to do counseling and finish that and, and you know, um, kind of get on the uh, the right track for the NFL's checklist. And, you know, he hasn't really even done that. And then now you have formal charges from the state of Florida uh, for misdemeanor battery and felony burglary. It's going to take a while. You just put that and add it to an even bigger case file. Um, I think once there can be clarity on how many games he'll miss, whether it's six games or whatever it is, then uh, I think teams will be interested at that point because they can kind of plan ahead and do the cost analysis. Um, I don't think a lot of teams will be interested, but there certainly will be one contender out there most likely that sees him as a missing piece where you can go somewhere with a strong quarterback presence and a strong head coaching presence. I think that's why New Orleans looked at him originally last year is, you know, it, it, when you have that security in place, you can take some risks. 
Last week, of course, the video making the rounds of Lamar Jackson throwing with Antonio Brown, that got a lot of people talking. Uh, you know, with that being said, you said there's not going to be a long list of teams that are going to jump in line for him, but there will be a team. What are the chances that that team could be a Baltimore, and what are the chances that Pittsburgh and him could ever bury uh, the drama from the past? Is that door still open for a, a down-the-road uh, re-encounter? Re <laughs> Well, you know, the latter, I don't really see that now. Um, the Steelers, you know, they like to keep lines of communication open with former players, especially great ones. Uh, so, you know, I would never completely rule it out. But I, I don't see Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown playing together again after, um, you know, a, a lot of uh, issues and tensions that uh, were never truly quelled. You know, so I just I don't necessarily see that. Now, Baltimore is interesting because um, – you know, the, the general manager didn't squash it when he was asked about it today. However, uh, with how they run the ball, I just don't know if I see A.B. as a fit uh, unless they decide to go to him more often. But, you know, if he's blocking 30, 40 times a game, I just don't see him being very happy with that scenario. Uh, he'd probably rather go to a place where they're going to spread the ball around. Again, it's way too early to do this. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. I'll send you out with this, Jeremy. It's way too early to do this, but we're going to try it anyways. You look at the AFC North. We went through what makes so you know each team so unique and interesting at this point. We haven't even gotten to the draft, uh, but Big Ben Roethlisberger coming back does you know add a huge wrinkle into this division. It's been the Ravens' division the last couple of years with the healthy Ben Roethlisberger back. Where does that put the Steelers? And how would you rank the teams in the AFC North at this point? I'd still put Baltimore one. I, I think the Steelers can be a playoff team if they just get a little more around the offense um, in the playmaking positions. I like the Eric Ebron signing, uh, but, you know, he's still a bit of a wild card. He, he's a good red zone target, um, so I think they'll use him the right way, but, um, you know, he's had his problems in the NFL. So, uh, you know, James Conner, Juju Smith-Schuster, those guys need to, to stay healthy and do a little bit more, and then if you can get an option in the draft to help you as well, uh, that can go a long way. They have a couple young players that they like, but, you know, they just need more offensive firepower. Uh, when this team was really good, they had two guys who were all pros in Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. It's hard to duplicate that. Um, so, you know, I still have Baltimore one, Pittsburgh two, and then, you know, I, I probably got the Browns three right now with the Bengals, a very close fourth. But I, I really think all four teams have a chance to be pretty good. All right, well, good stuff, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. Good enough to join us here today. Jeremy, thanks so much for your time. Enjoy the rest of your week. Take care. Be safe. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right, good stuff there. And again, that was Jeremy Fowler. Again, primarily covers the uh, the Steelers, but uh, he's an ESPN uh, again senior writer for the National Football League. And uh, I asked him to rank the AFC North. If you're just tuning in late, uh, he ranked the AFC North based on with the Big Ben back and healthy, with all the changes that the Browns have made, with the 150 plus million or whatever it was that the Bengals have spent this off season. Nothing's really changing. This is kind of what it was last year. I mean, last. I mean, th that's insane to me that the Browns made all of these. I mean, they upgraded this roster significantly. They also improved the head coach. I still think, you know, I, I disagree. I, I like Pittsburgh, and I think Big Ben makes a big difference. But I just don't get how as well, even as solid as that defense is for Pittsburgh, you still saw, even with Big Ben out last year, that defense wasn't just manhandling teams. You know, Cleveland still was able to move the ball up and down the field on them. At least that was the first time. The second time, I mean, it looked like Cleveland wanted nothing to do with Pittsburgh. But bottom line is, is ESPN's Jeremy Fowler just came on with us. I asked him to rank the AFC North. Baltimore 1, Pittsburgh 2, Cleveland 3, Cincinnati 4. Uh, but he said all four teams, you know, very complimentary of all four teams. I think it's the best division of football. 
Uh, I mean, I think top to bottom. I mean, it depends what the Bengals do in the draft. They're going to have to draft it and address some of their key needs. And the Browns are going to have to do the same thing. I think. But if the Browns get Jadavion Clowney, I think you really got to question who's the second best team in that division. If the Browns have Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney, all right, it, that's quite the weaponry right there to attack Lamar Jackson. That's quite the weaponry right there to put pressure on Ben Roethlisberger, an older Ben Roethlisberger who's not as agile and not as you know versatile as he used to be. Uh, you have, you know, the, you have those two pieces right there, and you have a rookie Joe Burrow, and you got to put the pressure on him. And I think you can do it. That offensive line's not scaring anybody. I don't know how you can honestly say. That if that if Baker Mayfield lives up to the hype in year three and and does what he was supposed to do last year, but now that he has an adult head coach with a brain, I believe Baker Mayfield's going to be significantly better. The Browns are going to be significantly better. I think that the Bengals are significantly better. But the sad thing is, is even with the Bengals being significantly better, I still think they're last in the division. And that's not me taking a shot at Cincinnati, folks. So don't get your panties all in a wad. All I'm saying is, is that I love this damn division. There better be there there better be NFL this year in 2020. I I want to see this play out, and I don't want a delayed season. I don't want a cancellation of a season. I want the NFL to get here as soon as possible, and yet we haven't even got to the draft yet. All right, folks, great stuff today. I appreciate you hanging out. Uh, Keith Byers, he joined us today to talk some college football, NFL, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. You just heard it. Great stuff there. Uh, we'll dive back into this more tomorrow. Until tomorrow, this has been the Justin Kinner Show on 1410 ESPN Radio. Real quick, go register. Every Wednesday, we're doing the Justin Kinner fan segment where you, the listener, will always have a chance to co-host a segment. You get to pick the topic. Your picture will be in all online web elements. Your, your name will be in all of our on-air elements. Every Monday, we draw a winner. I'll contact you. We'll, we'll plan the segment. And on Wednesday, you'll co-host a segment with me here right, right here on the show. And you'll be able to promote it on your Facebook pages and push it out so all your friends can hear you. It's going to be a good time. That'll begin next week. But you can start registering now. You can register daily. You can register more than once. The more you register, the more... You increase your chances uh, of getting to co-host a segment of the show with me. And you get to pick the topic. You're in complete control. You're co-hosting it, but you're the main person. You're deciding the topic. You're leading the way. It's all on you. So have some fun with that. Head to wingam.com right now and register to co-host a segment of the Justin Kinner Show, and let's have some fun. Also, keep an ear out. Up until 11 o'clock tonight, once an hour, we will release our uh, thousand dollar a day giveaway keyword again it's our support local business thousand dollar a day contest every hour we give out that keyword this hour was milano's enter milano's at wingam.com and at 6 30 you'll get your next keyword until tomorrow this has been the justin kenner show on 1410 espn radio